and welcome to episode 156 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're looking back at 2020, our favorite things we bought, our most shameful things we bought, the good and bad trends of the year. It has been maybe the craziest year ever in video game collecting for a number of reasons. So we're also looking forward to 2021, hoping things might be a little more stable, a little more reasonable this year. But you know how we've been in predicting the future in the past. Tell your mom about the show, give us five stars on iTunes, and let's go. back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny and Stefan, and how was your year, guys? Oh, you know, like everyone else's. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> nothing nothing major <laughs> nothing, happened. Nothing I think everything went just as we would have expected it to. Yes. Yeah, like virtually nothing happened, because I haven't left my house. Yeah, I think the, the only thing noteworthy to report is the 1,200 hours that your wife played Animal Crossing. Yeah, so we uh, we got our Nintendo year in review emails. Uh, Johnny, how much uh, Nintendo Switch did you play this year? 34 shameful hours, mm. and I want it to be like quadruple that. So uh, I played 96 hours, and that's evenly split between Ring Fit Adventure and Animal Crossing. And then my wife, Ada, for some reason didn't get an email uh, probably because they didn't want her to know how much Nintendo Switch she plays. <laughs> uh, so she has played one game. Uh, it is Animal Crossing New Horizons. And she played it for 1,232 hours this year, which is over 51 days, 24-hour days. That I'm so impressed and horrified. I mean, at this point, I mean, I think she's got more cred than you, Tyler. I think we're it's we're we're due to uh, switch hosts. I'm, it's, right, she's Jenny? the bigger gamer than me. It's a hundred percent true. In in April, which was the first full month she had the game, she averaged eight point six hours a day for thirty days. <laughs> yeah, it was her job, and she didn't she take was, breaks. She was still working, right? Yes, yeah, she's still working. To be clear, we were still working from home in April. This is in addition to her regular job, which some of those hours are obviously simultaneous. <laughs> I mean, we got to catch those bugs. We got to get those bells. Uh, did uh, I mean you can edit this? But did Ada get her job? Did she accept? Oh yeah, she she did accept uh, her new position at her unnamed company. She's getting a drug and test tomorrow. We're we're praying, guys. I don't know if she's gonna make it. I think I think she'll be fine there. Uh, did she? You said she she negotiated. It was very stressful. Did she get her extra bump that she asked for? She sure didn't. Because they oh, just have man. a standardized pay scale. But you know what? It okay. was an exciting time for her. First time she negotiated. I sure wouldn't have negotiated because you guys know me. So uh, yeah. well, as long as long as it's an actual standardized pay scale and they're not just saying that to you, that's then that's fine. It's it's I don't it's kind of like halfway a government job. So I wasn't expecting a thing. It's like, uh, yeah, that's that's a little different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, no, I, I asked uh, when I got hired at, at my position and they they told me no also. But with the promise of, like, in three months, we will. Oh, cool. So, yes, but. Yeah, I got a yes, but. Uh, but then I found out the guy who was hired at the exact same time as me had gotten more than me right out of the gate. And then uh, I brought that up to my boss, and she was, like, facepalming. Because she didn't know that. That was, like, HR's decision. 
And then they corrected that too. So that was, by that paying was, him less. Was, <laughs> I know by 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 giving me a retroactive bump. Actually, that's how that's how you make a a friend for life, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. so, anyways, that was a that was an interesting thing. That was like my big. That was like my one big like career negotiation thus far. Good job. Woo! It is stressful to negotiate that. Super Anyways, that people don't, like I don't think our audience like gives <laughs> about negotiating careers and like and, and career pay. Let's get but, right uh, into our try. episode: how to negotiate your salary for when you move jobs to buy more video <laughs> yeah. games. You really want to have more economic purchasing power, and to do that, you're going to want to make sure you're getting the best possible pay at your new job. So. Before you go into the interview, make sure you go to sites like Glassdoor and okay, I'm done. I'm done doing that bit. I thought that was that was good advice. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You you actually should do that to <laughs> yes, know what the going rate. Actually, do but, that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm done with that bit. I'm done with it. Okay, uh, guys, there was like we we joked that nothing happened this year. We didn't do anything, and I clearly didn't play much Nintendo Switch. But uh, you know, a lot did happen in collecting. Regardless of the outside world, a lot happened. Uh, a lot of that affected by what happened in the outside world, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I, I'm more interested in how the year was for us personally, and like our collecting goals and things that we said last year that we were going to do, and how we met them. And uh, you guys, as listeners out there, you know, you should be reflecting on like what you thought you might have done and just know that this year was kind of you can kind of take a mulligan for this year because things went so wacky and and try again don't beat yourself up if you didn't hit goals uh again because because of coronavirus i guess we can say and uh you know people losing jobs you know everything was it was madness this year was madness after march so um people losing their jobs simultaneously as prices were doubling across the board uh you might say just as we all predicted would happen yeah (laughs) nope (laughs) got that wrong uh we're gonna get into it we we've got you know if you listen to our episode last year you can kind of go back and see what we said there and you'll hear what we did this year um we're gonna talk through some of those same questions so this this is an easy this is an easy one Guys, I want to talk about your worst and best purchases of the year. Uh, Stefan, we'll go with you. Uh, let's let's go with worst first. What uh, you know? What was the absolute worst thing you bought this year? Um, and and, and qualify have, why it was the worst. Yeah, because there, there is a uh, it, there, abstractly, it was a bad buy, and then it just got worse with the story than behind it. So uh, my worst was probably I bought a Pioneer Elite CLD ninety seven. Laserdisc player, um, which was which was dumb in the first place. Uh, but I, I also paid over four hundred dollars for it, so there's another layer of stupid. And then the stupidest thing is that it then arrived completely broken, and not just like a little bit broken, but like super super broken, like beyond well beyond repair. And then like the seller, this was through eBay, and the seller like tried to like he was like oh well like you need to like talk to FedEx and get them to handle it and and I'm which is not at all true at all like he was just but he he refused to do anything about it so like it was kind of on me to try and and make like a refund happen and then like he ended up not insuring it correctly so or for the full value so like then finally I when FedEx was like okay we'll reimburse you they offered me a hundred dollars uh, on my four hundred over four hundred dollar laser disc player, which I cannot repair, and then Wait, so uh, well, this wasn't through eBay. It, 
Well, it was through the, like, it was, the we we went through the shipper first, and then thankfully oh, okay, okay, I okay. followed up. Yeah, eBay eBay basically covered the gap, so okay. which uh, which I'm thankful for in the end. But that whole process took about like six months. So like really like if you talk about like value proposition there, as far as like my time sink into that, like did I get much of a refund? Probably not. Um, but uh, on paper. Uh, FedEx refunded me like $100 and then eBay stepped in and they refunded me the balance, which I'm sure didn't come out of that pocket, which I would much rather have it done. Uh, but, it, uh, it, it may have. It, it depends how it went down. Like if they ruled it was his fault, it, it usually does. Uh, I, you know, Stefan, one that sucks and uh, you brought something up that I I love that you're the value proposition that your time invested into that was like actually the worst part of it because even though you got your money back you'll never recover that time and i can't stress this enough and this is like you hear people on forums i hate this response just return it or just get a refund it's not that big a deal and it might not be for some people but like if it's a rare item or something that's hard to get another one in nice condition like or if prices move at an insane rate like they do now that that is over you're, t- you're like the time and money is forever lost. You know, I, I hate that people don't value time and I'm glad that you value yours because so many people in this world just say, well, your time isn't worth anything. My time is valuable. And I, you know, I, I hope all of our listeners uh, value their time clearly not as much as they should as they listen to our three hour podcasts. <laughs> so, but, uh, just so, kidding, yeah. guys, keep uh, listening. The CLD97, it is a very nice laser disc player. Is it $400 worth of very nice? Probably not, especially if it's arrives broken in an unrepairable state. But where is uh, it now? Uh it's sitting in my game room on the floor. I don't I don't know what to I don't even know what to do with it now because like it's this big expensive piece of garbage that like I mean I got paid I got refunded for it, so I don't like maybe I'll sell it for parts, maybe I'll just like give a heavy sigh and eventually just throw it in the dumpster but right now it's sitting on the floor in my game room okay that's a that's a good worst purchase um let's let's toss over to tyler though let's hear about tyler's worst purchase johnny everything i bought this year was excellent banger was not that is not at all true so in thinking about my worst purchase i think objectively the worst thing i bought was a bunch of fake stamps from Kyrgyzstan, or purported to be from Kyrgyzstan, Pokemon stamps. Uh, these are, they're called illegal stamps, uh, because it's basically just a sheet of paper that someone printed up in the garage with a bunch of Pokemon characters, and they're pretending that they're stamps from Kyrgyzstan, and I knew they were fake when I bought them, and I don't remember why I bought them, I think I just still wanted to see what fake stamps are, and I got them in the mail. And it's just a really thin sheet of paper with some Pokemon printed on it. So, like, kind of objectively, that's the worst thing I bought. Also, if you'll remember, I mentioned this on the show, I bought the orange bar versions of Crossword DS and Big Brain Academy, which, as far as I understand, are the later prints of those DS games. Yes, that's uh, Because I went down a rabbit hole of kind of starting to buy, like, every basically every Nintendo game I don't have yet. So I'm just, like, looking at big lists of Nintendo published games and being like... Well, let's see which one of these I don't have yet. So we could just start knocking this list out. And I bought the wrong crosswords and wrong Big Brain Academy. Um, other than that, my worst purchases were like buying the wrong variants of stuff I wanted to buy the right variants of. Uh, so, for example, something I went down a small rabbit hole on was uh, 
Mattel football and Mattel auto race, which are my two favorite uh, that I know of, at least I haven't played all of them. My two favorite Mattel electronics games. And there are actually a few different variants of each of those. And the first times I bought them, I did not buy the nicest or earliest variants of those, which are the ones I wanted. So my hot tip is when you do that and you want to cover it up, you just post all of the variants you bought and say, look at all these variants I have of this thing, including the good variant. Not not saying, here are all the variants I have. This is the good one. And the others are garbage that I accidentally bought before I knew what the good one was. That's uh, That's an interesting tip. Uh, hot tip, cover up your bad purchases by pairing them with your good purchases and calling it a set. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, um, that's one way to do it. So, uh, yeah, Tyler, there's so many weird things you bought this year that, I mean, I don't understand. I've been all Um, over the place. Like literally I started the year with stamps, Johnny. And then like I I went into like buying Nintendo games. You you bought like the Commodore 64, like... Uh, no, that was a good purchase. So your Zork, what was the the Stanley Parable thing? Like, bought that. That was like a weird buy for me. Oh yeah. I mean, you also have like Microsoft Windows and the Windows Entertainment Pack from Windows. No, that's like good stuff. I think that's like part of me going down. Like, what's the historical stuff that no one cares about that I can get right now? The first releases of Solitaire and Minesweeper. Those are important games in some sense and no one has them when they're thinking of a video game collection i mean it's just weird it's it's weird time it's very weird i've been i mean i'm, I'm not that saying that my it. year wasn't weird my year has been very weird it's yeah. it's largely been that i have been unhooked from set collecting because i'm kind of done collecting all the sets i can feasibly collect so now everything i'm going for just kind of has to be this one-off thing because i'm not even looking at subsets because even like I, I want Capcom and Konami NES complete in box sets, but even just looking at those, it's like so daunting with NES prices that I'm just like, forget it. I'll do it later if I ever do it at all. I really don't want to ever have to buy a Snow Bros or a Chippendale 2 or anything like that. I, I'm going to go and also say that you're, as much as I love Star Wars, that Star Wars big box limited run thing you went on for a little while. Oh, that we yeah, maybe that put that while. under shameful or bad. I, I, Totally yeah. forgot about those. I've only been going through my eBay history, but yeah, I bought. I'm like basically done with limited run stuff. <laughs> like I didn't buy uh, Chex Quest, and I'm the biggest Chex Quest fan on the show. So uh, I guess that's a good sign for my future that yeah, I didn't. That, that's a buy Chex Quest. <laughs> All right, yeah, those are those are some good ones. Uh, Stefan, do you uh, do you have any other worst ones you want to throw out before you get your best ones? Any other like weird ones that you're like, ugh. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I, I, I'm a little bit conflicted on this one, so I guess I'll leave it to you guys to tell me whether or not this is a a, a bad or not. Uh, so everybody knows that I collect gameplay gameplay counts from memorabilia. What? Um, and when the High Score documentary came out on Netflix recently, which by the way, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's not the most in depth documentary series, but it is very entertaining and very well produced. So I do recommend High Score on Netflix. Um, but uh, when they did that, there was an episode that heavily involved gameplay counts or memorabilia, and uh, including the jackets, which I collect and. Uh, so as soon as that happened, there were a couple of these like third party, um, like Asia based, uh, clothing manufacturers that normally they like, uh, focus on cosplay and stuff like that. But uh, a couple of these companies started manufacturing, uh, fake gameplay counselor jackets and I bought one. So this is why I'm conflicted. I bought one 
so that I could make a video on it because I wasn't sure they were using photos of an actual jacket. So I wasn't sure what these things would actually look like. So I wanted to buy one so I could do a step-by-step comparison, which I did, um, of the fake jacket next to a real jacket. However, on paper, I spent $140. Jesus Christ. (laughs) On a jacket that I knew was fake. Um, a bad so, one too. It, like, yeah. uh, thankfully, a bad fake though. Like, I'm I'm happy and ended up not because like I, I I was originally concerned, and the whole reason why I did it was that these would be reasonable fakes, and that we would get kind of flooded or like people would get had um, with these fake jackets. Thankfully, that didn't turn out to be true, but I wouldn't have known that had I not bought one. So so yeah, uh, I did pay $140 for a jacket that I knew to be fake. Um, in the under the guise of education, so maybe that saves me from the bad purchase column. I don't know or not. No, I, but, I don't uh, think that's. I, you know, I, when I say bad, like I actually mean the quality of the jacket is bad. Like if you spend one hundred and forty dollars on a jacket, I would want better than than what you got. And right. that's, no, for uh, sure. Like right, no, but yeah. I just mean like I don't know whether or not I consider it a bad purchase because like I used it for educational purposes, but. At the end of the day, I paid one hundred and forty dollars for a very fake yeah. jacket. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's a little bit of column, a little bit of column B. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll call it a wash. I think you're fine. All right. Um, okay, but what was your best purchase? My best purchase. So this one was hard for me, and here comes Fat Cat Stefan. This one was hard for oh, me because hello. <laughs> <Back> again, <laughs> gentlemen. Yeah. So in this year, so my one of my collecting goals as i mentioned in last year's episode is to continue to grow uh the um my nintendo power original art collection and that has happened at a clip that i could not have even foreseen so uh at this time last year i had uh, a couple dozen pieces in the art collection at this point i have over 350 pieces (laughs) in the art collection um so i knew my best purchase was going to be something around that but i think uh uh, above high high above everything else i think is the physical cover models that i got for nintendo power magazine so that's the uh, the mega man 2 cover the mario 3 cover oh the my mario god that Paint was cover. this year like what yeah this year is so yeah. long is that, is that better than the is that better than the protos oh i mean i i think so way better um I mean, as like def- like those 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 are probably vying for you know one and two, but um, considering how not only historically re- relevant but like incredibly delicate and like you know judging by like when I say like things that shouldn't exist, right? Those are like among things that shouldn't exist. Um, and uh, so yeah, uh, I got all there were five of those physical covers that I gotten a single purchase so that was that's also because of how many of them i bought at the same time i think that's that's that qualifies for my for my best buy um but they for you know again a runner-up as johnny alluded to uh i did uh come into 15 different nes prototypes uh this year and included in that was a previously unknown uh, early translation version of the original Final Fantasy, which is now on Hidden Palace. Is it dot dot org? Hidden Palace dot org. Um, and you can you can download that and play it yourself. But uh, I was able to acquire that and dump that. So um, so that was really exciting as well. Um, but yeah, those are some some good stuff happened this year for me in that in that realm. 
yeah, you you were you were on a heater, as the kids say. Yep. And I Johnny, I will say that the Nintendo Power covers are definitely cooler than the prototypes because people have prototypes, uh, but the Nintendo Power covers it's like a category of object that people don't even have in their collection. No, I, I agree. Although with that. the Final Fantasy I, prototype is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, like the oh Ninja Gaiden three. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, that's just personally, but like on the more grand historical people will care about this since a brand new translation of Final Fantasy that no one's ever seen before is way cooler than a Ninja Gaiden three with like one frame of glitchy animation in between screen yeah. transitions. No, I, I just meant like as a collective, like, you know, where like and does monetary value play? I was just asking I'm devil's sure. advocating, you know, um, uh, yeah, Stefan, you had some insane purchases. That was um you know what what do you even say about that that's like okay cool <laughs> cool you <laughs> stephened it up you sure did well, well and that's a you know it's it's the, i think the thing that it really is extraordinary to me was the like i set this goal and then like the the like magnitude at which i fulfilled that goal was just like i i i can't even like even looking back at it now like i can't imagine like i don't understand in some regard how that played out the way that it did well, I mean, let, be honest about it. How did, you know, so people know, how did it? Like, were you persistent? Like, were you also a little lucky? What were all the things that had that? What were, what are the ingredients of the soup that made this? Because, you know, that's, we're here to talk about goals and people see like, oh, well, shit, how did you do it, Stefan? So you might as well tell people. Yeah. So, I mean, and actually I would, I would probably uh, reference and I'll reference this later in my most informative episode, but uh, my side quest two social strategies, uh, if you are interested in kind of how the ways that I work deals and that kind of thing, that's definitely one to, to listen to. But, but yeah, it's a, it's all persistence and research and time, just like, you know, hundreds of hours of my time, um, hunting down leads, finding people's names, you know, going, uh, you know, the, the, the networking spider web, right? I find someone and then they know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who has a Final Fantasy prototype, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's not magic, but it is an insane amount of, of work. Um, I will say as far as luck is concerned, I think earlier, like when I was, when I was just starting out, that definitely was a, a higher degree of luck. Like when I, started my Nintendo Power art collection. That started because I happened across a gameplay counselor because I was collecting gameplay counselor memorabilia. I happened to happen across a gameplay counselor who then left his job as a counselor and started drawing for Nintendo Power magazine. Now, I could not have foreseen that at all. I was not at all looking for that. It was just uh, I was asking about a jacket and he's like, I don't have a jacket, but I do have this piece of art that I drew for Nintendo Power. And that kind of spiraled out of control but that's um, also so, opportunity right like sure you saw an opportunity uh, which is something we we preach on the show is opportunistic buying but you saw an opportunity a door opened and you said okay this is a this is a lane i could take i can choose to take it right now and see where it goes or i can do nothing with it and you chose to go right. down that road Right. So, but now having, you know, talking about all the work that you put into it towards networking and stuff like that, now it's like what most people externally would see as luck is really more of the work that I put in before paying me dividends now, right? Like me being now incredibly 
uh, easy to find online when you search for anything Nintendo Power related. Um, just my the virtue of me having built this network of of talent, then also knowing more talent and then referring their friends to me, that kind of thing. That's all, you know, these these things that drop in my lap. I'm doing air quotes. You can't tell I'm doing air quotes, but I am. Um, these things that drop in my lap aren't really dropping in my lap as much as it is just a connection or, you know, someone that I had found um, coming back to me out of the blue when I didn't expect it. Or like those prototypes, for instance, that was two years ago, I reached out to a guy and he was like, well, I think I have a box of things in the garage. If I ever, if I ever come across that box, you know, then, then, then I'll let you know. And then two years later, that box was those 15 NES prototypes. Right. So that was that was an instance where I planted the seed. And I talk about this in that social strategies episode. It's not necessarily about getting someone getting something from someone now as much as it is making sure that when they are ready to part with whatever the object is, that you are the first person that they think of. So that was an example of me planting a seed two years ago and then that individual coming back to me when he actually found that box in his garage. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that that's just for people to to hear you know um just about how do you obtain things how do you like just how do you obtain goals how do you how do you get after it and and not expecting things just to happen overnight you know having a long-term strategy in play and then knowing that sometimes things take a long time not at i mean as set collectors stefan you're a little bit of an outlier because you did fast but if you ever went down the set road you just get not most like most reasonable people aren't going to be like well, I'm I want this set. Let's complete it in three months. You're just like I'm going to be at this for a while, and to do that, I'm going to have to go through the ups and downs and see what everything else in between is uh, to get down that road. So, anyways, right. I, I and, just like and, people and, to hear that. Yeah, and that's just amplified by the, you know when you get to the point where you are buying things that literally are not for sale. Um, the biggest commodity that you will be spending is your time. It is yeah. going to be a incredible incredible amount of your time um and uh so yeah and even so that's why like also like i don't tend to talk about like prices a lot for things because of that right because it doesn't properly reflect the value of something right because just because i paid x for something doesn't mean i didn't spend hundreds of hours of my time trying to get it fair um all right i realized that i did not do my worst purchase so i'm gonna flip into that before we go to tyler's best purchase um my my worst purchase and it's not i didn't do anything super egregious this year you know there there are some sketchy purchases maybe i overpaid on some ps2 stuff uh here and there but I, that all wound up being fine down the road but my worst purchase probably is some gba games and it's not it's not like those are even like especially bad but I'm not really going for a GBA set. This was these are speculative buys that I make sometimes. I saw one seller with a bunch of like really low end complete in box GBA games, so I just like bought them all up. I was just like, all right, there's like forty or fifty games here, so it was like a big buy. And people think, oh yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. Like they're like five to ten dollars each, but when you start to get to like forty, fifty games or whatever, it starts to add up. So. Are those 40 games that I really don't care about? Are those cooler than one object that's like $500? Probably, 
Probably not. Would one $500 object do better? I don't know. I would have to like really eke out the math on that and like speculate what I would have spent that $500 on. But, you know, I was trying to stay like one of my goals was to I was going to buy more cool GBA stuff. And I, there's a lot of cool GBA stuff, but I want to do like more focus on the better stuff. And uh, this uh, was kind of a lapse from that goal. So that was not my best. And if people are curious why we talk through our worst buys, like, why? I care. Well, one of the things we want to do in the show and like some of the criticism we get is like, oh, you guys are elitist or you, it's like, we know we're in a different category, but we are still the same. We are, we're still collectors who sometimes impulse buy something stupid, uh, you know, overpay on something, buy stuff we shouldn't have that doesn't feed into our goals, just make silly purchases. And sometimes we make some good ones. You know, it, we are just like you is as far as regular collecting goes, like we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make missteps. And this is with years of collective experience, years and years and years, decades, even of collective experience. And like, I'll, I'll still make the same stupid mistakes. Um, so don't beat yourself up over it. If you did, we, we just like to reflect what happened over here, but Tyler, now I want to know from you, what did you buy? That was uh, really good. What, what was your best buy this year? What are you most pleased with? My best buy. So I've I've kind of turned into buying like these one-off things because, like you, I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on filler, which I recognize is something that I love and have done in the past. But and you do all the time. Yeah, I, I love filler. Filler's great, but <laughs> in terms of what I need to buy now that will make me the happiest and will be harder to acquire in the future, I don't think that filler N64 titles to go for a complete N64 collection is probably the thing to buy right now. The thing to buy right now is things that no one is even thinking about. I, that's probably always the thing to buy is things that no one is thinking about. But like, uh, go to game value now and look up N64 filler right now. Cause one of the things I did this year, uh, I completed my Genesis set, like hundred percent, all manuals, everything finally fixed all that up. Grats. Um, you look at filler in N64, like, NBA in the zone, 2000, it's like $175. Carmageddon 64 is like $160. Not the most cost-effective way to improve my collection. So I have been going after kind of all these like variants and cool games that I've known about. And I'm like, oh, I could get that one day. And uh, that one day is now because I don't want... Basically, my, my litmus test is... Oh, this game's $120. If it was $500, would I still want to buy it if there were like completed sales on eBay and the last 10 that sold all went for $500? And if the answer is yes, it's like, well, crap, I need to buy that right now because guess what? NBA in the zone 2000, if that was $500, I would not even go near that game because it's a stupid filler game. So I think the best two things I bought, unless Johnny wants to remind me of something, uh, my run one Magnavox Odyssey in... Completely near mint condition, 100% complete. Uh, I I don't think I've ever seen one as complete or as nice. It's got all the little baggies around the components. The controllers look like they've never been unwound. It's got this piece of styrofoam. So it's kind of, it comes in a box that has two stacked pieces of styrofoam. And in between the two pieces of styrofoam, there's another piece of styrofoam. And I don't think I've ever seen another Magnavox Odyssey that has that third piece of styrofoam uh, with it. It's just... Super nice all around. Came in the shipping box, but a lot of them came in the shipping box. I don't actually know how these worked at retail, but everyone seems to have the shipping box for a Magnavox Odyssey. 
Um, and yeah, I'm extremely happy with that because that thing is like, what, 50 years old and it is the nicest thing ever. It's not new. I, I thought it might be new. It's not new because Magnavox Odyssey originally came with, I believe, four C or D batteries and it didn't have the batteries. But other than the batteries, everything else is amazing. And then I guess my second best thing would be, or maybe my best thing, Charimera Zelda, which is a Zelda contest cartridge that came out is either right when the Legend of Zelda was released or shortly before, like maybe a month before the Legend of Zelda was released on the Famicom disk system. There were uh, 1,500 copies of Zelda given away by a ramen noodles company, and they have a different label. But otherwise, it's exactly the same game. And it was... Also, maybe my most stressful purchase of the year, because in February, one was bought it now on eBay for $1,000 by a preservationist who I think they sent it to Frank Cifaldi. They're like, hey, what's this? Make sure this is the exact same thing as Famicom Legend of Zelda. And uh, so my and also (laughs) so that was February when I bought it was probably summer and prices between February and summer just literally doubled and exploded across the board. So I'm like, oh my God, is this thing going to go for $2,000? Uh, it showed up on Yahoo Auctions and I put in an obscene high bid for it. Uh, the minimum bid was, it was something like $275. And I was the only person who bid on it. And I was extremely happy to get it for much less than my high bid. It is so hard to know these days what is going to explode in price and what is going to go down or stay the same uh so i was very happy with that yeah that is a very cool purchase i'm I'm not gonna yeah. i'm not gonna dump on it because it's you know famicom stuff i that is genuinely cool i, I you know i would like that please please send it to me <laughs> send me that blockbuster world championships oh that sounds like a fair trade no it's not a fair trade I don't, I don't want that i want i want the ninja gun three proto sorry johnny Okay, fair enough. Also, everyone, uh, remember uh, to build those relationships and plant those seeds. So everybody, uh, send Stefan a private message and say, like, hey, Stefan, uh, whenever you're thinking about selling that Final Fantasy, um, I'm your guy. And if 200 of you do it, one of you might be picked. Yeah, no. <laughs> you guys... You, no, you, we're just you planting the, the seeds, Stefan. Even if you never you make sell the joke, stuff. but that is... Like, how many times has that worked for you? If, like, if you've seen someone get something, like, pretty cool, and you're like, you know, if if uh, you ever decide to move away from that, you let me know. And, uh, like, uh, like, let me know before you move it, because I might be interested. How many times has that worked for you? Because that works for me, like, more, more often than I, I would think. Because, like, yeah. usually someone's, like, they're new shiny. They're never going to move from it. And then all of a sudden, two years later, you get, like, an email. And you're like, oh, okay. Cool. Yep. Everybody says they're never going to sell something until they do. Right. Right. It's true. And so. Stefan's never changed what he's collected, though. So he's probably going to hold on to all his stuff forever. But I'm, that's... Yeah, we'll see. Oh, your, your problem now, though, is that my, most of my collection is bequeathed to a museum. So that's... Uh, you don't have to follow through with that. that. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. But I'm going to. I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> Maybe your daughter wants uh, it. Maybe it goes to her before them. Maybe it does. I don't care about those people. I'm here for your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah, and if anyone's um, getting that uh, Blockbuster World Championship cartridge, it's me. So, sorry, Tyler. We'll, we'll That's see. fine. I want a New Leaf more than I want the Blockbuster World Championships. You know, New Leaf was part of Blockbuster. To have the Blockbuster set, you need all of it. I I know. But I feel like New Leaf is more retail video game, even though it's not, but it's closer. So it's more in line with what I collect. Okay. 
I haven't All seen right. I haven't seen a blockbuster for sale in like years. Jamie. Forever. Who knows Forever. what that it's... thing is worth? Do like the I... people who came in in the past couple of years even know that exists? No. I don't know, and like, <laughs> but they do they even care show. because it's Sega? Yeah, that's true. Forget that Sega. Whatever. True. It might as well be a Sega Master System cartridge. It might as well be like who who gives it? We know who cares, and we appreciate the ones who do. Um, all right, I'm gonna go into my Best Buy, and it, it's a it's a commute. Uh, uh, I can't talk. All of a sudden, it's a bunch of purchases. It's not just one. This year, I was you know, neck deep into PS one. And I said, I was going to complete it. If you listen to last year's show, that's one of the goals I said I would do. And I'll talk more about that later, but my best purchase was deciding to do that. Like at the beginning of the year saying, I'm going to do this before we get to the summer. And I wound up completing it in March, like in the very early part of March. And I am really glad I did because it, like PlayStation games doubled in price. And a lot of the games that were on my list, like were, not like they weren't common. They were uncommon, but not expensive. And then when people found they could not buy those and they were looking for them, the price even increased even further. So it, it went, didn't go up one or two steps. It went up like three or four steps on a lot of the games I had to buy because I, I was down like 200 games. I went crazy and just said like, I'm doing this. I'm completing it or like a hundred. I can't remember exactly. I did a whole episode where I talked about what I bought, uh, but that was all pre coronavirus. So I, my best purchase this year was really uh, making the decision just to complete that set. And I think that can be said for anyone who completed a set before coronavirus happened. Uh, also worse decision was probably to still continue to collect sets um, because that's always not a great idea, <laughs> but uh, I do have like one individual purchase that, and uh, you know, we can maybe when we talk about most shameful, like our favorite purchase, but this was like just a game. I did not think I was going to get, I lost an auction for it at like $350 and it's the stupid Grinch, the PS one Grinch, uh, Christmas edition where it comes with a book, the Grinch yeah. and Barrett book. So it comes we have, in like we have talked a about that a weird box. amount of times on the show. Yeah, it because I, <laughs> you know, I wanted it a lot, right? Like, but I didn't. It's also something I got this year and I, I got it for $49. Nice, oh, good. Uh, it came up as a buy it now. Uh, this was like back in May of all time. Uh, and I was just like randomly there and I was like, what is happening? Is this like it came up in my my notifications i'm like really <laughs> i did i almost deleted it from like my save search because i didn't think i would ever get to it and then suddenly it was there and i bought it after losing that auction i'd even told uh like eric excited by games i'm like yeah lost the auction for it i'll you know if it's going for over 300 I'm, I'm just not gonna buy it like it's just not that cool it's not 300 dollars cool um but to get it for 50 dollars was like i was that was generally just like a purchase that like i was like you know, pumping the fist for like, oh, I can't believe this happened. Not that it's like the world's greatest deal or even that many people care about this game specifically, but you know me, I like to collect uh, things around Christmas themes and Halloween themes. And uh, that was a good one for me to get. I was, I was very excited about that. So that's it. Those are my humble little, little purchases, you know, just humbly 200 ish, 100 ish PS one games. <laughs> kind of no, gross. Totally normal, they were all uh... yeah, normal, normal stuff. Anyways, guys, that was our, our best and worst, but I, I want more than this. 
I want to know what was the most expensive thing you bought this year? Did you did you go crazy? Is there anything? Did you do anything nuts this year? Uh, we'll we'll go to Tyler because Stefan. Uh, my I mean my Odyssey I think is the most expensive because well it was seven hundred fifty dollars. It is really hard to price a Magnavox Odyssey because it is a hundred percent dependent on completeness and condition, uh, and you will see them literally all over the place on eBay. I think the best thing to do is to buy two incomplete ones because the incomplete ones tend to be pretty cheap. Um, but yeah, seven hundred fifty bucks I think that's far and away the most expensive thing I bought. Because whenever I look at like the crazy expensive stuff, like the Heritage Auctions World, whatever that people are spending thousands of dollars on video games, I could think of eight, like two, three hundred dollar games, which are like banger two, three hundred dollar games that I would rather own than, you know, I I can't even think shrink wrapped space invaders on Atari 2600. Did you not get your sealed ocarina this year or was that last year? That was December 30th, 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That All was right. in the last show I checked. Okay. Uh, so question for you, though. Uh, $750 is a lot of money. It's objectively a lot of money. But would you say that is lower than previous years? Is that like your, like, did you buy anything bigger than that? Or is this like a, a very high pri- price item for you in general? Yeah, I mean, that's an extremely high priced item. Uh, so lower than last year, because I think my Ocarina of Time was $1,600. Like, the year before that, I can't even fathom spending over, like, $500 for a video game thing. So, the year before that, I probably would have made some joke about a pinball machine. So, the thing is, um, this year, in terms of spending, because I've kind of shifted to games that are individually cool for being some rare or early variant, uh, I've definitely bought a lot more $100 plus games than, like, loaded up on $20 games. So, my average purchase is way up because... I'm, uh, I'm buying games like that, but I'm not like going through the roof on a single item. Okay. Uh, how much was your Hagan? Cause you, you got like a, a really nice copy of that, that you looked for forever. I was surprised that like actually wasn't in your best purchase list because you just looked forever. It, you're right. Uh, that was like 500 bucks, I think for the loose cart. Um, it, I wouldn't call it my best purchase only because, uh, it's not like 10 out of 10. It's like 7.5 I mean, like, out of 10. Like, it's got like a little bit of edge wear. And I really wanted to get a super nice one, and I couldn't find it. I basically had to settle because the deal was too good to pass up. Okay. All right, Stefan, are you ready to to come in here and and hurt feelings? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but um, uh, I'll, like, I'll preface it for you that like it's museum stuff, guys. It's it's like one on one stuff. So yeah, well, like and- so separate your expectation from Hagan. Uh, and you know the Grinch to what Stefan does because it we're not in the same lane. Yeah. So this was a, it was an art purchase for a Nintendo Power Art. Uh, when you break it down, uh, the grouping was it was a, for a bulk lot of 114 pieces. Um, and so when you break it down, it was only around 175 dollars a piece, which is incredible when you're yeah. buying original art. Like absolutely incredible um but if you do the math that turned out to be about twenty thousand dollars so um it was a single purchase from a from a collector um that was again it was 175 dollars for each individual piece but there were 114 pieces so that that far and away was my my single largest purchase of the year now let me ask you aside from that was there any other single item that was more than that that you can get into or that you want to 
Um, so the prototype lot. No, no, not, not lots, not lot, not lots. Like, oh. like just one item. Well, like, was there one thing that you just said? Yep, and dropped a chunk of change. Um, not in cash value. Okay. Um, the there were some things that were like for services rendered, uh, where like for instance, I uh, took on a a you know a multiple items. Some of them would be flagged for me to then resell. And then, like my like my service fee for reselling them was the other yeah. items, right? Like that was that was that was actually the way that um, that prototype lot worked. Um, was that also included in those the sixteenth game in that prototype lot was a Nintendo World Championships cartridge, and so my I I then sold that piece on behalf of the of the individual and my finder's fee were the other games in that lot. So if you would have, you know, broken that, obviously the NWC sold for an absorbent amount of money. So if you would to say that that's what I paid for those, then yes, that was an incredible amount of money. Yeah. But, um, but there was no actual like cash in hand transfer there. Yeah. This wasn't like a year where you bought like a stupid power glove sign and spent too much money on it. No. $12,000 for a power glove sign. No. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what I was asking. That, that's what yeah. I was letting the audience know about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do a lot um, of stuff. I do a lot kind of it's sort of like consignment. Um, I do I, I do work a lot with people that way. Um, when you know, especially when it's when I find high value items that are things like I already have that kind of thing. Um, then, you know, I'm more than happy to, you know, broker a deal on someone's behalf and then, you know, take on other items as as payments. Okay, so let's move over to like because I know we're talking a lot about what we bought. And usually that's like an end of show thing, but let's like let's wrap it that kind of stuff up with um, what is the uh, most shameful thing? And it's not like the worst purchase, but like what thing did you buy and you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe I bought this stupid thing, and you don't even like really want to put it on the shelf or or display it or really let people know that you bought it. I like most of my shameful stuff. You guys <laughs> really don't like my Nokia 6190 phone inbox, which is the first American Nokia phone with snake on it. Yes. <laughs> I'm you looking for the European variant because Nokia is a European company, of course. So I need the real first print of snake. Um, but that is a pretty dumb thing. I bought. That was like $15. <laughs> Great purchase, it's, but that's yeah. what it's not like it's not like your worst purchase. It's not like yeah, you no. lost a ton of money. It's just like so silly and like, what is going on here? Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna guess I have the same shameful purchases as I did last year. I'm gonna say the random sealed that I just didn't need, but it's cheap and available, and like, why not? Because is who? Because video games just FOMO everything, like Deal Tavern. Violetta Rhythm and Music for the Wii. Uh, that one's kind of cool. So Violetta Rhythm and Music, you can buy it on Deal Tavern right now for 40 bucks. It never had a retail release. So it's literally a Nintendo Wii game that you can only buy through Deal Tavern. And you don't know if he's got 200 of them or 20,000 of them, and they'll just be for sale forever. But uh, beyond that, like I bought Sabrina Spooks, you know, kind of just because I bought like Batman Forever and Stargate on Sega Genesis from Deal Tavern. Uh, and those were like 30 bucks each for sealed Genesis games. Like it, it, 
in my brain, it's like $30 for a sealed Genesis game. Ah, oh, it's a Batman licensed game. Like, why not buy that? But at the same time, it does wrong. nothing for my collection. Like, I 100% don't care about owning it. And then uh, I bought a couple, like, enormous boxes of sealed Atari games um, as part of my Atari FOMO panic, which uh, turned out to be excellent, but still somewhat shameful because they're Atari games. So, to recap, for anyone who's not paying attention to what's going on in the Atari world, uh, which is an excellent thing to do, uh, Atari prices basically went from zero to randomly hundreds of dollars, but people don't really know how to price things or what to pay because they're still not really worth anything and prices are all over the place. I don't know how better to describe it. No price for any Atari item makes any sense right now. Uh, But I basically, uh, there are like three or four big distributors that you can still buy new old stock Atari stuff from. And most of their games are like 10, 20 bucks. So usually when I wanted an Atari game or I wanted a few Atari games, I would just go to the like distributors and be like, ah, let me put in an order for these 10 games. It'll be a hundred bucks. They'll probably get free shipping on that. And that would actually, it's cheaper to buy them brand new from a distributor than to buy them complete in box on eBay. So I would just buy new Atari games. And I forgot what the impetus was, but something made, was it like Spider-Man? It was probably Spider-Man 2600. And it was like, people are going to go nuts for Atari games. I got to basically put in my last few orders before everything goes to hell. So I bought dozens and dozens of sealed $10, $20 Atari games and uh, very shameful. But at the same time, a lot of that stuff is now out of stock or they've increased the price from like $10 to $20. And uh, no one wants to pay $20 for a game that they used to pay $10 for. So I don't know. That stuff's all very dumb. And I think you guys will agree. Yeah. Now, do you have singular item? Singular item, again, not best purchase, but, you, but do you have something that is your favorite thing you bought this year? Is, or is it the Magnavox? I mean, it's the Odyssey or probably the Zelda, just because people are going to care about Zelda more than a Magnavox Odyssey. Okay. Just wanted to ask. All right, Stefan, did, uh, did you shame yourself at all? Uh, yeah. Um, and this, this isn't, uh, I mean, no, hold on. Let me, <laughs> as it relates to this podcast, not in yes. your general life. Yes. Yes. And this is something you guys have consistently shamed me, shamed, shamed me about it since the day I bought it. Um, and it's not uh, necessarily what the item is, um, as much as it was my motivation for acquiring it. Mm. So, um, I, <laughs> I purchased a signed copy of Jeopardy. <laughs> For the NES, a signed Jeopardy cartridge, signed, signed by, by Alex who? Trebek. It's not signed by Jeopardy, right? Uh, no, no, no. By... Signed by Alex Trebek, but the timing of it was a little was a little sus. So you're like, I... oh, uh, Alex Rex got cancer. Better buy this quick. Yeah. So essentially, I chose to pull the trigger on that item when <laughs> when he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And uh, and that was my motiv- motivation for for the timing of that purchase. Now that he is dead, not real doesn't really feel good. Not gonna <laughs> lie, doesn't doesn't feel great. But it is what it is. It happened. Uh, and obviously, as you can probably tell with how awkwardly I'm telling the story, I I uh, I don't feel great about that. And it's pretty shameful. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, Stefan, I have a story. Because- 
um, yeah, okay. related to this Jeopardy thing. Like, inherently, I know, like, dead people autographs, especially when they haven't signed, like, a billion things at conventions and stuff. Like, you know, a Babe Ruth autograph, it's a cool thing because he didn't sign a ton of stuff. Uh, just a few days ago, I got an autograph in the mail uh, from Chum Lee from Pawn Stars. This isn't something <laughs> I bought. This was just something that was sent to me. And literally, I took a look at it, and the first thing I thought was, like, Oh, this is going to be cool once Chum Lee dies, just because of what Stefan does with his autographs. <laughs> you are. That is so gross. Look, I'm, I'm not going to go into, like, if, it, if it's wrong or right uh, monetarily to, like, speculate on people who may die and getting their autograph. There was a lot of people who were, who were doing that around Stan Lee. And, you know, some people doing it for earnest reasons, like, oh, my God, I love, I love everything Stan Lee. I want to get books signed by him because I know... I, I won't have a chance again. Um, it, it was, you know, a, as we've said in this show, be opportunistic and buying. It was just like, oh, they have cancer now, huh? Better get that autograph. That seems like a good buy. It's that mentality which got me about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, to be fair, it was terminal cancer. So it wasn't he might die. Uh, uh, wait, oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Let's, yeah let's, uh, <laughs> he's definitely going to die. He's like, definitely going to rub your hands. 100% going to die. If if it's something that you want, which I think it was, like, I 100% agree with the reasoning. It's just like saying it out loud. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, it, it wasn't the first time that I'd looked at them because the seller had a couple cartridges and they had been there for quite some time. And uh, it, it was one of those things where I had occasionally been like, oh, yeah, that's something that would be really cool. Um, and cause I also love the idea, the same reason why I love like CGC signature series stuff on comic books is the ability to take a, a comic book that's like not worth very much and turn it into a cool collectible. I really like that phenomenon. Um, and so like, I, there, there's, there's very few NES cartridges that are, have lower value than Jeopardy, I think. Um, and so it was just another one of those things where it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. It takes, it takes something that's virtually worthless and makes it a cool collectible. So I had definitely thought about it a number of times, but the like solidifying onus for me doing it at that moment was because he had gotten cancer. So great so, yeah. buy. Good shame good on me. So, shameful purchases uh you know i didn't really do anything super shameful this year there wasn't anything i was like but you know outside of my norm uh in halloween purchases it i'm gonna tell you i bought a trs 80 game and that felt weird and out of place i know you tyler you think it's cool but i'm like really and also like i bought some puffy stickers which was like (laughs) why 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 the hell am i buying puffy stickers (laughs) those were neat this is like they are neat. That's the problem. Is I, I genuinely <laughs> like both of the things I bought, but I, you know, it, neither of them helped me with my goals. They look like really out of place. I also bought like some Commodore sixty four. I just bought some weird stuff around Halloween. It was just like, <laughs> okay, I'm just buying whatever. Um, you know, okay, that's what I bought this year. Fine. Um, I like when you buy computer games because it does add to your goals. It, it adds to your goal of having a Halloween game collection or having a Christmas game collection. And it makes me feel like you're breaking out of your comfort zone. You're like, oh, oh I got to buy a Commodore game. Ah, oh. I did. And you know, what's funny. My favorite purchase of the year is actually uh, tied into this, Tyler, and you'll like it. And also, um, you know, a TRS-80 game. It's the Poltergeist game, which, like, I've never seen anyone else post it, right? Have you ever seen anyone else no. post the TRS-80 <laughs> Not at all. Poltergeist? <laughs> so... 
Right. Well, and I live in, you know, Simi Valley where the poltergeist house is. That's like where it was filmed. So, and if you lived here long enough, you know about the house and people like drive by and visit it, like take a picture. So it was like really cool for me, especially like it's Halloween and I got to post it on Halloween. Like I wasn't sure if it was going to arrive in the mail on time when I finally found a good copy, like to be able to take it up to the house, take a picture of it in front of the house and be like, cool. You know, especially like during coronavirus and stuff, people weren't like super appreciative of like people just being wandering around their neighborhoods that they don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was really cool. That was actually my favorite purchase, but also in the realm of like weird shame. Um, and Stefan, I know we talked about this and I, I can't remember when we did it, but mm-hmm. I bought the magical chase from you. Did I do that at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year? You mentioned that in last year's recap episode. Did I? Okay. Both both of you said that your most expensive purchases were from me, which was funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that oh, must have been I bought Alpac Joey last year. Jeez, you last did. year I spent yeah. so much money. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was, that was, that was uh, 19. Uh, you want, do you guys want to know something about uh, like the TRS-80 boxes? Yes. Sure. So like Poltergeist, if you were looking for one. Uh, and there's multiple style of TRS-80 games. So, like, this is just, like, the cart one. They come in, like, these silver boxes that kind of look, like, CRT-shaped, kind of. That's as how I imagine them looking. And maybe it's just because Poltergeist is sitting in it, and that always reminds me of a CRT television. But that box is pretty much like a universal box. So, if you can j- find the cartridge for Poltergeist, if one of these games, if you were looking on that system for something very expensive... That box is just a box. It just says like Radio Shack on it. And that's it. It's just a silver box. It doesn't say like Poltergeist or anything. There are different styles of box. So you want to make sure you get the right one. But you could cobble together from a cheaper game. Like you could find like say a Poltergeist cart for $25. And then like a $15 game uh, complete in box. And then put them together. And then suddenly it's like $150 Poltergeist game. I think TI-99, probably their other computers from the same era, TI-99 might be the same way. It's just an outer box that says application software and has a cutout, and then it shows the manual of the game. And, like, TI-99 new old stock is everywhere. So if you have, like, an ugly box, just buy, like, a new old stock, hunt the wampus, or, like, addition and subtraction, and uh, and replace that box. that's exactly what these do. Uh, You do need to get find it with the manual. But if you didn't have the manual... The label of the game is usually the same in the cutout. Like, I don't know if they fit exactly. I, I haven't done a lot of research on TR80 games, guys. Sorry. But uh, that's heck? something you could do. Because I was, like, looking at these Poltergeist for a long time, and I was like, am I going to, like, the only ones on eBay were, like, $299 or $200. Like, I was like, I I really want to do this, but is this worth it for this, like, one picture that only I'm going to care about? It virtually got no likes on Instagram because why would it? Uh, <laughs> you know, one you had to read to understand that I was in front of the Pulsar guy's house. I just look like I'm taking a picture outside. Uh, two, it wasn't two, Mario three. Yeah, it wasn't Mario three. It was a TRS eighty <laughs> game. Uh, you know, so like, am, am I really going to spend two hundred ninety nine dollars? So when I found out about that and the box came and the game came on the same day, they came on October thirtieth, and I could get out for the picture on October thirty first. I was uh, I was relieved. So it worked out, but, uh, anyways, favorite purchases now, uh, probably where we should have started, um, more relevant to the episodes itself. That was about us as collectors, but let's talk. 
I don't well, think I did my favorite purchase. Oh, I'm sorry. What was your favorite? Like favorite again, same caveats. Doesn't need to be best. Right. Not like, not not value contingent. Yeah. Um, I talked about this a couple times. Um, you know, I, a, a lot of times when I do art purchases, I don't mention the um the artist's name and one of the ones that I was very vocal about because he has unfortunately left us um, is Dan McGowan who was a cover artist uh, for Nintendo Power Magazine. Uh, He basically uh, did the... uh, So there were two artists predominantly that did all the painted covers or almost all the painted covers and and the other artist is with us and does not like to be named so I will not but um, but Dan Dan left us uh, due to uh, a a very long bout with cancer uh, in... 2008 i think um but uh i was able to uh this year connect with his estate and uh we uh were able to rehome almost all of his covers the original art for his covers um into my archive so uh so while not the most expensive purchase it was probably my favorite just because i was able to first of all that as far as like an example of of my process really like showing fruit like i put in all of the work i do all of the homework i do you know i find all of the leads it was a very 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 long and um difficult process to uh to even find his uh people related to his estate um but i did and uh and i was able to get the um the tetris cover the wily coyote cover the um secret of mana cover the magical quest cover the um i know i'm missing some but anyway that just goes to show like the caliber of of covers that i was able to to rehome uh from that collection so um it really you know i'm i i am devastatingly uh concerned about artists passing away and then their art evaporating or their children throwing it away or whatever being sold at yard sales etc etc so to have that be the case where an artist did pass away and then still being able to kind of bring that art back from the brink um that was far and away my favorite favorite thing that happened this year nice okay good stuff awesome yeah that was good stuff you're saving Ta- this stuff, Stefan. You're you're rehoming it to your house. But yes, <laughs> it's still great. Okay, guys. Like I said, mm-hmm. what we probably should have talked about first, like uh, least favorite and uh, most favorite, or and we can say or worst and best episode that we did. And you can tell me if it was just like you, you were uncomfortable doing it or you didn't like the topic, and that's fine. Or if you thought we did a bad job, like whatever your caveat is for, let me know. Uh, but Tyler, let's start with you and go with least or worst, worst episode this year. My least favorite would usually be a holiday episode because I don't like the forced themes, but I feel like we've really cut back on doing like a lot of those, like multiple same or similar topics in the same season. I've so been spicing it up too. I've been, I've been putting some work into making it better for you. Okay. Um, I will say the coronavirus episode. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember us going into detail for an hour on why we thought coronavirus was going to cause the video game market to crash. And within like Not a crash, month, but just like lower, you know, go dip, you know, have the yeah. video game recession it, of 2020. It's and episode 140 coronavirus <laughs> Im- impact on the video game market. It has probably been the single craziest, most outlier year of video game collecting ever. Um, ever so couldn't have been more wrong yes 
So uh, I'll I, probably go with that. I also don't remember the double pack episode at all. So shout out to that because I don't remember it because this year has been that's so two long. For one. Yeah, that was episode 139. But to be fair, like that episode is the marker, like right before your side quest episodes, which you actually recorded before that. And then we hit episode 140 where everything is happening. Everything devastating is happening. Tyler, you're out there like trying to be on your honeymoon at this point, mm-hmm. like right before we do the double pack episode and your wedding and everything. And then coronavirus hits during all of that. So how could you like the fact that you can even remember we did a coronavirus episode is uh, remarkable. <laughs> it's true. Like, it's probably because uh, we, we keep quest? getting chances to bring it up when we bring up like uh, record sales and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to let us off the hook a little bit for that because this, like, the trend makes no sense. How do you have the highest unemployment and then, like, just the highest also collectible game sales? I, We weren't the only people who got this wrong. It's not like we are just a bunch of idiots. Like, everyone making economic predictions, like, as far as markets, just, like, 100% wrong. Stocks went crazy later. Like, it did take a dip. Remember when we first started? It was taking a dip. And then people decided to go the other way with it. They're like, oh, yeah, lean what into the turn, guys. What if we just made everything more expensive instead of less expensive, Johnny? Yeah. Nah, f*** it. Government stimulus check, $600 is going to do us great, or 1200 whatever it was. Uh, some tiny, insignificant amount. And people are like, let's go nuts. And you're like, oh, what just happened? Uh, no, we were we were very wrong. Very, very wrong. Stefan, let's uh, what's, what's, uh, go to you. Let's get back on that death train. Uh, episode 138, The Death Effect, was not my favorite. Oh, why? Oh, we did an okay job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was actually a really informative, good, well-thought-out episode where we talked about something that's important. Why would you categorize it as your least favorite episode? Yeah, so, I mean, this, uh, for people who don't, uh, th- this was uh, an episode about, this was shortly after Kobe Bryant had suddenly died, and the um, the phenomenon that, like, all of his games were spiking. Um, and so we we had an episode on, on the death effect, and while uh, smartly researched and well executed, uh, the content was not ringing true for me, um, not only because of that, uh, you know, my feel-good story with Alex Trebek, but then also, like, in, in the not- too distant past my wife had passed away and so i just like was not feeling the topic um and uh and that's it all right so it wasn't all because you were like rubbing your hands together as you bought alex trebek games no it wasn't (laughs) you mean you had a bigger reason yes so and and to be clear it wasn't because you think the episode is bad it was just uh uncomfortable for you during the time frame yeah, same thing with like, I mean, t- talking about uncomfortability, I think last year my my pick for worst was also an, an uncomfortable uh, reason where it was the um, the Argument. collector's quiz, I think, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you mentioned just the anxiety gives you. Right, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of quizzes uh, or, you know, real-time testing of any kind, and so that just made me, that whole scenario makes me uncomfortable, and so while it was a well-executed episode, and I think probably some people's favorites, uh, it was, it was not at all mine. So yeah, similarly, well-executed episode, well-researched, well, well done, but, uh, just the, I was not feeling the content at the time. Fair. Oh, that's fair. Like, it, and that's fine. You can you can have least favorites for whatever you reason. I'm not I'm not here to disagree with the, your reasonings for least favorites. I'm just asking. Um, 
And I'm sure, and you guys can like, please do tell us like, what, where did we miss for you guys? Where, where were you like that episode didn't hit me right. I, the last episode, uh, five golden things didn't hit some people, right. They expected it to be more Christmassy. Uh, some people liked it. Tyler liked it better, but I liked it. I liked what we did with that episode, but it wasn't for everyone. Someone gave us feedback that it was like too angry or something. Yeah. Were we angry? Uh, well, like they, well, they said, you know, we weren't, we weren't in the spirit. It seemed like we were hateful towards kind of sealed collectors and it didn't feel jolly enough, but I was in a really good mood while we were doing that episode. So I I don't know. Maybe that just didn't come through. I, I liked kind of flipping up the format like that, still keeping it a little bit like with Christmas in mind, but also still talking to collectors about things that we feel are true. Um, I'm I'm not going to back down from saying that I like that episode, but if you didn't like it, that's fine. Tell us, tell us why you don't like episodes. If you don't like them, I genuinely like feedback. I'm going to listen to it. Honestly, I will tell you why I did things or why we did things, but that doesn't always mean I'm going to change what we do. Like I might have my reasons and like, or us as a team, we have our reasons for how or why we do things. Or if we think they're important, it doesn't mean that we are going to change our minds for people or not do an episode because someone hated it. You know, that's not what we're doing, but I will listen to all feedback. Like feedback is a valuable tool to get better. You know, just be like, be constructive. Don't, don't at me with you fucking suck. Uh, that's not great criticism. Uh, I mean, you can, I will ignore it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm okay. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with criticism guys. Now let's step away from criticism and let's do some, uh, back padding here. Best episode. Stefan, I'll let you go back to back here. What was, uh, oh, did I say my least favorite episode? I did not. You didn't. I agree with Tyler, uh, the coronavirus episode, just because, holy shit, we got that wrong. Not our fault, but we got it wrong. Anyways, best episode. Stefan, what was the best episode we did or your favorite one we did this year? Uh, I really like our So You Collect stuff uh, or So You Want to Collect uh, series, and we hadn't done one in a while, and so I think it was a good uh, a good return to form. Also, I like episodes in which all three of us are very knowledgeable on a subject. And so uh, that's 147. So you want to collect Super Nintendo um, is going to be my best um, only because, like I said, uh, it's it's a all, all three of us have Super Nintendo sets. We're all very we are very storied and knowledgeable on the topic. And so it felt very effortless. I enjoyed our time on that one. Um, and it didn't, it didn't, uh, it wasn't preceded by a mountain of, of research that night. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's, I think it was, I think it was a home run on that one. I, I love the format. It was something that we all are passionate collectors for and, uh, have a lot of knowledge about. So it was just, it was very effortless and, uh, and yeah, it's my favorite. Fair enough. Tyler? I think I'm going to have the same one as you, Johnny. It's all your lists are bad. As much as I like the Super Nintendo episode and the Castlevania episode because of how informative they are, these past couple years, like, we've had, I guess throughout video games, we've had kind of de facto lists of games that people take without question, like uh, the Mike Etler list or Nintendo Age lists, and now we're in this nebulous void where... Even though the Nintendo Age list isn't perfect, it doesn't exist anymore. There's kind of no thing you could point to as the list, except for lists people have floating around in apps or spreadsheets. Uh, so I really like the idea of telling people 
start documented ev- start documenting everything because we're in the wasteland, we're in the end times, and you need to have a list that you are personally happy with because there is no ultimate source. And uh, I like uh, I like that message. Well, and I'm going to agree with you. It's episode 141, but it's more than that too. In this age where investing has become a thing, knowing precisely what the things are, like so you can find variants, like being precise is very important. Like, how often did we mess up, like, in the Mario episode, just getting first print and second print wrong? Like, we get, like, minor details wrong like pretty frequently. I mean, that's everybody. But knowing exactly and having good lists will prevent a lot of that. And a lot of, like, things that we'll get wrong is just because we've absorbed all this knowledge over so much time and no one has ever questioned it. So we're just regurgitating the things we thought we learned that were right. And they're not, and they've never been challenged. And most of those people will just learn from lists or whatever. So coming back to that and really uh, fighting against, uh, you know, normative behavior a little bit and trying to, trying to make it better, especially in, in a world where all of the, the smallest differences make the biggest impact, especially when it comes to something like price of an item, you know, that that's becoming more and more important. So yeah, I, I liked I agree with everything you said, and I, I really liked that episode. Also, it, it did make me feel a good deal of anxiety, though, just because thinking about lists and like all of my lists are still bad. This isn't just calling out anybody else, but my lists are bad. All the website lists are bad. Like we need like better documentation for everything because so many other hoppies have so much better documentation than we do. Uh you know, and video game collecting is a little weird because there's so many apps. Like, there's so much stuff available online. Apps and, like, stuff you can find. Like, if you go into Toys, like, Toys is a weird nebulous zone. Their documentation of, like, variants is, like, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Even something like Star Wars, like, in figures, vintage figures, the documentation is here and there. It's, like, sometimes good. Like, sometimes really good and, like, really precise. And then other times, like, people don't care. And, like, the way it's bought and traded People don't like really observe those variants because they are just looking at this list. It, it's crazy that an older hobby has a less defined, uh, you know, less defined technology. So video games are in that space where, you know, we have all this apps and stuff. So I'd really love it all to be right, you know, especially since everybody just copies everything. So the more right we can get everything uh, instead of being wrong and then just copying our wrongness for all time, you know, that would make it better. The problem is it's really easy to copy a list and get 80% of the way there and put out your app for $3 or whatever, and everyone's just fine with it because you know what? Most people in the world want 677 NES games, and they don't care about all of the... They don't care about three screw versus five screw variants or whatever your seal of quality or Friday the 13th have. They just don't need to know that. That's true. No, I, I agree. And it's not like... One person can't tackle it all. You know, you, someone's got to, you have to have like a few, a few people that are like really working on one system specifically and then like document and they need to share. Um, uh, but, you know, information is power. It lit, you know, it's money. It's, you know, something you can wield with authority and then, you know, make informed purchases where other people will not. So you can benefit. So I get why a lot of people don't share it, but I wish, I wish more people did. The thing is, Tyler knows I, the secret lists. It can't just be one person, but I think that in many other hobbies, there have been there's been the moment 
where someone came out with a book or a catalog and maybe they've had a team of people helping them with it, but it's been like the Scott stamp catalog or the guy who made that picture guide to comic books. And it's been like the one guy who's like, we need to stop around and everybody just, this is everything that exists. Let's, let's work from here. And they actually like made a definitive guide. That's true. Um, somebody with more resources and time and money than me needs to be that guy. Someone, sure. someone who someone, thinks, someone who truly believes in the collectability of video games and thinks that I don't know they can make money by having the most variant knowledge. I think Go Collect thinks they're going to be that, but uh, I don't know. We'll see because they're like, they're starting with Nintendo Ages base, and honestly, like they kind of need to start from scratch and start over. I think is the best way to handle it. We'll see if they just become regurgitated nintendo age info or if they're really going deep on everything i mean they, they have game value now right so and they're, they're they're expanding some of their stuff it's getting a little better we'll see though like i, I we've panned go collect quite a bit um because they deserve it uh for the way some of the things have been handled <laughs> but i i'm fully willing to to like change my mind that's the other thing I am a person who is willing to change my mind when better information is presented. If GoCollect comes around and they have the best thing and they want to charge a subscription fee for it, and it actually is good and informative and powerful information, uh, or allows people to add and they like source it, like I'm willing to help and get behind that endeavor. I'm not like I'm not going to just shit sit here and you know shit all over them, talk bad about them, and then not be willing to do anything if there's an opportunity, but. You know, so far it hasn't panned out exactly as I would have liked it to. I hope they do, or I hope someone else does. And, you know, where I can help with little bits, um, sure. Uh, we, we've talked about like the Wada black box list that they put out. Like that was really good, but we need more of that. Like every, like almost every game needs like that kind of attention to detail. You know, maybe you're not going to have all the variants, but if it was some digital catalog that could say, I don't know, be updated and then uh, everyone would be updated all at once instead of uh, no one knowing except for like four people. That'd be sweet. Let's get to that point. That's where I want to live. The future. I'll so. see you in 2021 when Go Collect is definitely coming out with their video game product, guys. Okay. Like, well, let's, I mean, we'll, I'm, I'm willing to take it for a spin. I'm willing to do a review of it. So that, that's, uh, that's our best and, and worst episodes. What, uh, what else we got here guys? Most informative. I, I think, I think we kind of covered that a little it's bit. It's probably going to be the, so you want to collect episodes. Cause those are just nothing but three hours of information. Yeah. I agree with that. Anything that says, so you want to collect, but Stefan also has a different answer. So Stefan. Sure. Yeah, um, and this may be a little self-serving. It actually oh. is absolutely a little self-serving. <laughs> but uh, side quest number two, social strategies, um, I think was. Oh, one could of you the explain? More... Could you explain what that is? Sure. Um, it was basically uh, um, so uh, we've actually already touched a, a little bit about uh, my processes on this episode. Actually, talking about it earlier, but uh, that was the first episode where I really kind of showed my hand a little bit as far and ex explained to people ways to help them on their path towards essentially being able to buy things that are not for sale um, or things that are incredibly rare or things that are one of a kind, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I get every single time I post something that is one of a kind or very rare, um, the question of how I did that uh, gets brought up. And so um, it allowed me to really kind of 
coach people on that topic without being like incredibly specific to the point where I was like creating my own competition kind of thing. But um, but it but it allowed me to really kind of give people a good um, baseline uh, for strategies on essentially mostly how to talk to people um, and, uh, you know, not necessarily finding people, but once you do, how you handle that situation. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I loved that episode. Not only did I think it was incredibly informative in, in a vacuum, but also just like it was the first time that I really kind of got put myself out there and talked a little bit about my processes and, and sort of my lessons learned on this path. So, um, yeah, that was my most informative. I'm going to let you off the, the hook a little bit because I, I think it's a valuable episode for people to listen to. But I just want you to know, your most informative episode of the year was the one where you just talked for 30 minutes. Yep, 38 yep. minutes. Johnny, I think this show is more informative when both of us are off the show. Yeah. That's what <laughs> Stefan just told us, right? All right. I'm about to leave. Let me know. I'm going to leave right now and then go back and listen to this episode. I just want to learn about like all the weird variants and all the cool information on buying video. Learn games. how so much more informative the game, the, how much more informative the episode gets when you leave. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is a good episode. Most informative. Hmm. Hmm. All right. I'm going to let you slide. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go over it too much. All right. All right. Okay. That's pretty much all of the big questions that I wanted to talk about the episodes, but let's look into the future. 2021 is knocking at the door. You know, we are still in the midst of a pandemic. If you live in the LA area, like Stefan and I do, it's like coronavirus capital of the world right now. So, Wait, that's still like a thing. It's still impacting us. It's not over like vaccines are coming out and stuff. Maybe, maybe soon we will be at a place where we're getting beyond that. So given that knowledge, Stefan, what, what do you predict? Like any trends coming forward? Do you see, do you view any trend or something that's going to continue that's going on now? Any predictions? Put on your swami uh, hat and just really let loose. Uh, I mean, I've got a trend that's happening now that I really, really wish would stop. Well, we'll talk about uh, what we thought the worst trends of the year, but do you, do you okay. see anything right. coming in the future? Uh, see, it's just... The thing is, is that I think at some point we all were like, okay, well, as soon as the vaccine gets here, everything's going back to normal or some semblance of normal. And it just, it doesn't feel like that because you have you know even the like medical experts are like well you know if you're gonna you know once you get the vaccine like still socially distance still wear your mask like i just don't know i don't think it's gonna be like a oh everyone has herd immunity and so we're just gonna open everything back up and like so i guess i i i don't know what's happening now well enough to predict the immediate future like as far as like okay well because so much is going to hinge on the vaccine maybe or maybe not like if if it's just more of the same and we're all in things are still shut down because everyone's you know whatever for whatever reason i don't want to get into too much of that but you know if if things don't open back up like what is that impact gonna look like you know um are we going to see you know we're gonna get stimulus checks 
you know, and not that they're um, as as robust as they were, but that's still like I think last you know last time we talked about the stimulus checks, it's like you know we were we were surmising that there was a disproportionate amount of people that were, were pouring that stimulus money into the in into the hobby, right? Right. Um, and is that going to happen again? So are we on the cusp of another? Like boom, well, because people that got six hundred dollars in their pocket. D- don't don't uh, make make so many wishy washy statements. Tell me, is it happening? Say to just say it. Stimulus checks making making another little bubble. Is that happening, Stefan? Yes, yes. I will say. I, I will say it will. Um, probably not to not not as as heavy as it was last time because again we're getting half of the money. But uh, but yeah, I think people who were especially like because with that bill that was just signed uh also comes with um kind of the re-upping of the unemployment benefits and the the additional stipend and stuff like that so i think there are people who were super super concerned about their immediate future that may be a little less concerned about their immediate future for at least for a little while so um so yeah i think i think we will see uh probably another little bit of a bubble here in a couple weeks uh, i i think and i I'll, i'll throw in on that just to expand we could see a little more of that too, because right after that, we're going to start to get into tax season. And we always kind of see a little bump, you know, people got a little extra money or something that they throw it at their hobbies when they get that tax check back. Not me, because I always pay money because I hate myself um, <laughs> and I love to pay the government. It's just my favoritest thing. Uh, anyways, it has to do with the way my wife is paid. It's super annoying. We can never speculate exactly how much we're going to owe the government. But we will. Mm. We will owe them. But that's going to, for most people, you know, that's another little influx of cash that that's going to happen. So I think you could be right there. Tower, do you have any bold predictions? Do you do you know anything that's going to happen in the future as as far as it pertains to games? If you look at the price graphs for garbage, I'm hoping that that keeps up. I'm sorry, by garbage. If you look at the price graphs for consoles, modern consoles like GameCube and PlayStation 2, I didn't even realize as I was saying that, that I was saying the word garbage. Um, Modern DVD-based consoles, I will say, they sort of peaked in the fall and they've they've steadily been coming down a little bit. Um, I am hoping that they get close to the trend line for, you know, the past few years prior. So there's just this huge bubble in 2020 and in the future, we can all look at that bubble and go, man, 2020 was a weird time. And then it kind of went back to normal uh, after that. And like NES, SNES games, N64 games, complete in box, they're made of cardboard. They're pretty available. They're condition sensitive in that. But PlayStation 2, Xbox, GameCube, those games, there are so many of those games. I just don't see how they could have maintained their coronavirus price levels. You know, maybe in 10 years, Super Mario Sunshine is consistently selling for $120, but I just don't understand how, relative to everything else in the market, that those modern, more modern games could possibly uh, retain the prices they are right now. You know what? I bet last year I predicted that some of the NES madness would spill over into the other consoles, like maybe Super Nintendo, I kind of don't see it. So I'm I'm in all the groups that Johnny likes to quit. The the high-end game rooms, the show up your water games. People don't care about Super Nintendo nearly as much. They're not they, progressing they don't. to Super they, Nintendo. They don't collect video games, they collect NES games. 
And yeah. I think that trend will probably continue to progress. Like Super Mario World, you might see crazy prices for the black box that like the the really popular stuff, sure, but you're not going to see people showing off their sealed Wizard of Oz on Super Nintendo, I don't think. Uh saying like, "Oh, look at this Hollywood game." You know, as I say that well, out loud. Of course they won't because that is absolutely something that's going to happen. But uh <laughs> there needs to be 48 prints and one of those prints needs to be very rare. Yeah. I think it's going to be more stuff like the picture of all the raid on Bungling Bay sealed variants. Uh, There's also only like the two Mario games. They're really, I mean, there's like all the educational games, but there's not like, you know, Super Mario 1, 2, and 3. uh, Super Mario 1, 2, 2, and 3, Johnny. The Super Mario Quadrilogy, as we call it. uh, Uh, You can't forget about the most important one on the Famicom disc system. Okay. But no, um, Super Nintendo, I, come on. It's got like Super Mario Kart's the first Mario Kart game. I look, uh, I there you're not gonna you don't have to fight me about how important the Super Nintendo is. I'm the Super Nintendo guy. Of course I think it's important. I think people are crazy that they haven't recognized all the series that start there and how important the Super Nintendo is to everything. Just like it it like very rarely do you get something like the Nintendo that happens, and then the next thing made it even better. All right, let's and that's f- what the Super okay. Nintendo did. Yeah, like the series didn't start on Super Nintendo. All the best series were like made better on Super Nintendo. Well, I mean, you have like Mario Kart, right? That's the series that started. Yeah. Earthbound, yeah. the series that started and finished started there. Started on Famicom. Oh, true, but not in America, where things didn't you didn't you say where that things, things matter. Only matter in America? That matter in America uh, on yeah. a retro gem miner episode sarcastically. Yes. <laughs> No, no, that's not sarcasm. I read the comments. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's an inside joke. Okay. So, any other any other big trends that you see there? I I'm I'm curious that you know, will like you said maybe this flattening and going back to normal. But what does that mean? Do you think the price memory will sit? Like, will these games actually? Will it actually be a curve? You know, like that rounds off. I mean, or will it just be a plateau? It's going to round off, I think. It's already rounded off for some of like the crazier prices, specifically yeah. look at like, PS2, PS2 or GameCube, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like, those have dropped, uh, like, but they haven't got anywhere back to where they were by like March. Like, Yeah, they're not. Do you think over the next year that, that, will, that they'll creep back down to that level, or do you think it'll still stay elevated? Like, will it go to March, like what the prices were around March, or will it stay higher than that? It's not going to go to March. It, when things bump up like this, they never go back to their quote unquote normal prices. Um, so I don't really know how far they'll go down. But uh, it's it is encouraging to see that there is a rounded kind of dip because almost in the entire history of video game price tracking, there has never been a period where video games go down in price. It has basically been creeping up slowly, slowly, slowly. You get to 2012, all of a sudden, huge jump. And then 2016, it plateaus, but it doesn't go back down. This is the first time we're actually seeing it go back down. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but even the downswing, right? We obviously need more time. A lot of, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show. Time is the most important thing to see trends. And we di- we just don't have enough of that. So uh, next year, we'll have more. But like, really, we need five years. You need at least five years of data to like look at a good trend line, I think. We can make some predictions off of current trends, but like... See what actually happened. We just need more data. Um, yeah, I don't think they'll hit that bottom mark either. I don't have any like super good, you know, bold predictions for you. I don't have a hot take just because 
the year's too weird. It's too hard to say what is going to happen. I think prices could go up. Like if Stefan is right, you know, with a stimulus check and everything, we could hit another little bubble again and it could go up. You know, will that be across system wide? Because that was the crazy thing. It wasn't like one system went up. They all went up. Every game system went up significantly, which is crazy. So will that like flatten down? Will it increase a little? Will will a dip come like when we get to March and April of of this year? Will things start to dip again? Like if we start to get vaccines and herd immunity, which is like a weird thing to have to talk about in relation to, to video games, but to the point where people are going outside and taking vacations again, will all that money suddenly go back to vacations and then less video game spending? So you start to see, you know, that was like the sell-off that never happened is during the summer, I've talked about one of my favorite things to do is like wait for like right before the summer and get those sales of people who want to go on vacation or come back from vacation and realize they spent a little bit too much money. Didn't happen this year because no one could go anywhere. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, that is interesting because I I realized that uh, I probably did have a little more money this year because I thankfully maintained my job and I didn't do any travel. Like I'd already budgeted out my, my honeymoon, but like, Normally, I would think be thinking about MAGFest and Portland, Let- Portland Retro Gaming Expo, and I didn't do any of that. And that money was just like fun money. I probably dumped into more video games. Yeah. I mean, so. I know I definitely like looked at my Portland money that I normally set aside and said, what am I doing with this? Am I saving it? Am I rolling it over? Or am I spending that, it on other stuff? That fairy game on the Nintendo DS. Yeah, well, uh, that one I, I got for a whopping $50. Nice. Good, 50, good deal, I 59. think. Yeah, I think that was a fine deal. That's uh If Winx it's a rare Club DS game and I recognize off, it, yeah. that means it's something, Johnny. Because I only know like that fairy game and maybe like Jewel Master, whatever that's called. Yeah. <laughs> there there's like we we'll have to talk about DS pricing and if that can possibly maintain itself. Okay. So that's uh that's our future. If we if we were predicting, if we were looking into our crystal balls deeply, uh I I didn't look into a crystal ball. I've shook an eight ball and it said, check again later. Sorry. So let's talk about the worst trends of the last year though. What, what would you say was the worst trend or, and best trend of last year, Stefan? Um, so this actually is, is a fairly recent thing that I've noticed, but and as we've, we've talked about it, uh, I think on the last episode or a, or a recent episode, but that's the the fetishizing of seals. Now I get it. This is going to be me picking on the seal collectors uh, a little, but um, and this is not to say that like I I don't I'm not discounting seal collecting in general. You know you and I understand that there is a monetary value related to the actual seal, but uh, this specifically I started to notice when the recently on eBay was a a number of water damaged um super nintendo games that were sealed that were a still wet but also completely covered in mold and again because they are still wet um they that was active mold um and people were still buying them and it it it's the I have no problem with people valuing seals. That's fine. I, I get it. I get it. I get I understand that there is an intrinsic value to the plastic that covers the product. However, when you are valuing an item for being sealed, when the item in question is not only like absolutely irrepla- irrepla- 
ir- irreparably damaged. Because, um, you know, if something's soaked through, uh, then the box is going to be gone. The cartridge is probably rusted. The label is probably bubbling or, or eaten away. There's like no <laughs> other than the fact that this item is sealed. Uh, there's no there should be no value assigned to this item because it is completely ruined and not only completely ruined, but if you don't know anything about mold, um, mold tends to travel to items that it likes uh, in its vicinity. So not only are these items that uh, should have no value, but also could devalue uh, other things in your game room and act, like legitimately cause you uh, health hazards because not only is breathing in mold spores not great for you, but also there nowhere on those eBay listings did they say what that, liquid that it was wet with was uh so you can assume that it was water uh but you don't know that you don't know what kind of pathogens were in that water so like there's just like so many reasons why you don't want this thing in your house and people are paying money uh for these games that are actual health hazards um and it's all in the name of having a sealed copy of Super Metroid because we couldn't, aff- I couldn't possibly afford uh, a, 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 a good copy, a good sealed copy of Super Metroid. So the next best thing clearly is a completely ruined health hazardous version of the game. Is it really? Is that really the next best thing? Like, do you really need to be paying for something that could? damage things in your game room or cause you or your family, your loved ones health issues. Like really that's, that's that by far valuing the seal so much that you completely disregard what's underneath it. That is my least favorite trend of 2020. I don't know if the mold itself was a trend. I think there were a couple batches of, uh, Sales that should basically not have happened or went too high, but the idea of valuing the seal itself uh, over things like the condition or the correct variant, even going back to, uh, I don't, whatever the the highest selling Super Mario Brothers 3 was, you know, it's a super nice, it was like a 9.0, so, you know, think what's, what the world what would the world pay for that? Like tops $400, I'm going to say, which to me is a crazy price. It's a $400 game with the seal. And then it's $150,000. Um, there is a larger disconnect between those prices than there has ever been. So, uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm with you on the, the condition of the item matters, not the seal. Yep. I, I agree. Um, Tyler, what about you? Do you have, uh, any other trend that was like, Oh, yeah, let me tell uh, you, uh, so uh, in March, if you look at price graphs, there was this trend where everything doubled in price immediately. Uh, that was a pretty bad trend that I think yeah, was I unhealthy for video games. Um, but no, actually, uh, this might be the same thing I said last year. Bad trend, people putting pretend importance on variants that are either wrong for the reason they're trying to put importance on them, or just... Like, they invested in it and they're trying to hype it. I don't want to tell people that what they're interested in or what they're collecting is wrong. But, uh, again, this is probably because of the the groups I've surrounded myself in these past couple of years. Yeah, but, uh, well, you know, Mean World Theory, come on, get there. 
Uh, so, an excellent example would be uh, the Space Invaders, Atari late prints in general. Go on Heritage Auctions and look up Atari games that are for sale. A lot of the games for sale are games from the mid '80s, and they have certain. There's this uh, certain style of box, these red box Atari games. They're all late releases. So, like, you'll see Space Invaders, you'll see Donkey Kong, and these games are selling for hundreds and thousands of dollars when the original prints aren't for sale at all. And, like, the original prints might even still be relatively available. But people are just buying, like, oh, it's Donkey Kong. It must be worth a lot. It's Space Invaders. That's a classic on the Atari 2600, I guess. Um, I hate people buying the wrong variants. I hate people buying the Grand Theft Auto 3 that came out of the $30 sealed box set. And I don't want to tell people there's only one right thing to buy or one right thing to think is cool or that my way is the only way. Because this also applies to people who I generally agree with. So there's this guy on Facebook groups that goes around with the Japanese games that literally no one really cares about. And he just is hyping them day after day after day, trying so desperately to make his $50 game into a $500 game for no reason. Calling it the true first print and calling everyone else an idiot. And the thing is... I generally agree with the sentiment, but he's still a complete asshole the way he goes about it. You could tell he doesn't care about video games. He doesn't care about video game history. So, on one hand, it's the historical revisionism. It's people trying to make what they have into the most important thing. But on the other hand, it's just the entire culture of hype. People trying to put whatever they have available in front of as many eyeballs as they can to make that thing the thing they can flip for ten times the money. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's problematic because, you know, then you'll, you'll get these like weird bubbles and prices and like unfair spikes and then you'll get like regret, right? And then you like, people will feel like they, they got got in the hobby and that's not a feeling anyone likes and that makes people leave. And despite all of the things we talk about, we do want the hobby to grow, like, it's better for all of us. I, I love collecting video games. I want to talk to more people about it. I hope more people come into it. But if you create these these super feel-bad moments, uh, you know, in cautionary tales, then people will might be driven away. So. Sure. And it might be just... I might be saying this just because I'm a, a snob about being the most technically right thing when it comes to these variants. Like... Uh, in the uh, Retro Gem Miner video, I have uh, a play choice Super Mario 3, which is technically the first U.S. release of Super Mario Bros. 3. No one cares about that, but that would be the technically right thing to have. Um, like, I'm not saying you have to be like that about it, but if you're, I don't know, hyping a variant as a first print when it is not, that stuff gets to me. Yeah, be sure to push your glasses up your nose and, and wave your finger when you talk to people about being technically correct. Yes. Technically correct, the best correct? Uh, True? Absolutely. Got to be technically correct. Uh, All right. That, that, whatever that weird Kid Icarus Mario 3 reviewed thing that's sold on Heritage, that's the first release of Super Mario 3, guys. All right. Um, so here is the trend I don't like right now, and I'm not going to talk about it too much. Uh, Pokemon cards, not into it. <laughs> just, you know, I, I love that you guys are into it. Like, cool, go, go enjoy. I'm not against nostalgia. I just, I'm tired of seeing it everywhere on my Facebook. It has nothing to do with video games, except that some of the, you know, some of the same investor types, uh, have 
gone and said, oh, like Pokemon is now an investment. And that bled over into games too. So Pokemon games, like it's, um, that's like my worst trend, mainly because it affects me personally. Not like, I don't necessarily think people are wrong or going to get, you know, totally host. I don't know enough about any of that to even be relatively close on any of that. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I personally don't like these things uh, because I'm tired of seeing it in my Instagram feed. Guys, it is crazy how many of you started posting Pokemon cards in late 2020 on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Immediately yeah. after the boom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like, hey, you guys like it. If that's all you post, then just expect me to mute you for a while and then I'll come. I'll check in on you later and see what we'll see what's what then. But yeah, not not into that whole big thing. Uh, but all collectibles have been crazy. It hasn't just been video games. Collectibles has had a crazy ride in 2020. And that's because a lot of people feel like collectibles is a good place to put money. It's a little more foolproof than markets as uh, stock markets can shift too rapidly. I, but I don't, I can't see how any of that is true. Like I'm not a market expert on anything at all. Not like not even video games. I know a lot about video games, but after this year, all I can tell you is that nobody knows anything um, and prepare for like I could speak to you in general about a couple of things that are probably true, but everything could go haywire. Who knows? Um, the world is a crazy place. I, you know, it just experts are pretend experts, I think, right now, as far as markets are concerned. So I think we are Do relatively lucky cautious. to be in video games and not these other collectible things cards sports cards magic cards pokemon because some of these things just like oh charizard went from a a two thousand dollar mint card to a thirty thousand dollar mint card oh yeah and uh like that has been largely relegated to sealed games but if you want a first edition mint charizard it's like well you don't have the option to i guess you have the option to get the worst version of charizard uh unlimited version of charizard but uh, you know, when you buy video games, you could buy like the exact same thing for half a percent of the price if you don't want it sealed, which is where the crazy market is, which is right. nice. And if you just and if you want carts, like as crazy as the market's been, cart price only has not been affected that much. So if you were like just looking for nest carts, you could it's still a perfectly reasonable hobby. Uh, not that it's not expensive, but when you're looking at Pokemon carts in comparison, it looks fairly tame. Um, so hooray for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys a couple of things. What do you, and you can let me know what you think could happen in the future. Uh, in 2019, we got a lot of mini consoles. Do you think in 2021, we will see the rise of any more mini consoles? What's left? <laughs> I, I mean, uh... N64 PS one or PS one was done. But you know there there are systems out there. Dreamcast, hand every handheld. I I don't think that we will see anything more from Nintendo, only because they don't really have an incentive to do that anymore. Those those mini consoles they put out for a very specific reason, uh, as a holiday stopgap uh, between console generations. Um, so the switch is doing so incredibly well that I just don't see them. I don't, Nintendo doesn't tend to do anything without a reason, even if that's uh, a reason that we don't really understand. Um, and so I just don't, I don't see them shifting focus away from the switch, um, because it's just doing so phenomenally well. So I don't, I don't 
I don't think that we'll ever see, or at least not in the in the near future, up until there's another situation where they need a holiday stopgap or something like that, um, that we would see anything more out of Nintendo. Um, and I can't even, like, I guess maybe a Master System one. What about an Atari or... Flashback 11, guys? No. A Master System one? Who would buy a Master System one? I think it's more likely they would put out another Genesis one. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that's, the, I don't, like I said, what's left, so. De- no, but wait, definitely we can not, make, definitely we can go full Nintendo. circle to uh, dedicated Pong console plug and plays, which would just be the dedicated Pong consoles. Yeah. I really want one of those uh, Pong coffee tables. Have you seen those with the, that are like the physical version? Yeah, they've got them in uh, arcades. Uh, yeah, they're really cool. I, I don't know. I haven't been in okay. arcades in a while. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tyler, um, do do you think any more mini stuff? Like they don't need hmm, to be long no. answers. I no? think mini consoles are a fad that has burned out. What was the last one? Like the PC Engine Turbo Graphics. Like there wasn't even a lot of hype around that because you know the big things would be NES, Super Nintendo, even Sega Genesis. People didn't care. PlayStation One was kind of a joke because there was no effort put into it. Like they're running out of the big iconic stuff. Like. If there was a PlayStation 2 mini console, it would do gangbusters, but Sony's not going to do that. So, because they're not going to put 20, you know, full-sized PS2 games, which are, you know, dozens of hours of content and put it in an $80 package or $100. The PS1 was $100, wasn't it? uh, Yeah, I think it was. And then went down to 50. And then it went down to 20. (laughs) But there was also like PS2, I think is part of their still part of their selling library. Like, you know, you can play PS2 games on, like, I, I don't know what their compatibility issue on PS5. Um, let's, uh, well, I, I do have a trend. I do think is going to happen. I think we're going to see more, uh, more aftermarket retro games. I will say from companies like limited run games and I am a bit, uh, oh, of course, homebrews like re-release it i think all that stuff is going to be crazy i don't know if 2021 is the year uh because we're still going to be in weird coronavirus times but uh just limited run alone this year like what's so many dumb games like the star wars games did not need to be re-released in this format like gba or game boy games did not need to come back out in game boy cartridges well, I did, like Especially, i wasn't even thinking about those those like return of the ninja or revenge of the ninja right, from yeah games. Like, like that, that stuff kind is of so stuff, weird yeah like, it, i dislike that stuff so intensely they're you know their their premise is so good on the outside right like i want to like limited run so much and when i first heard of them i it's like oh man there are these digital games that they are making physical releases so you can put them in your collection and that is awesome and they still do some of that right like there there are still games that get me i just went and i looked at all my limited run stuff and like shook my head that there are still games there that i bought and i'm happy with um but there's just like this new stuff that's coming out like why if it already has a physical release it does not need another physical release but as much as I feel that way, like I look in their comments, people about Return of the Ninja were so mad. They're like, why are you making this game? Why don't you make Ninja 5.0? It's like, and to me, that sounds Either insane. Way, like, what are you doing? Like, uh, what is Ninja 5.0? $500 game? I really have no idea. $2,000 yeah, game like, it could be. Yeah, it's like 500 bucks. Okay. But like, it's not, if you buy the $80 limited run games version, because let's be realistic, it's not going to be a $30 game. It's not filling a hole in your collection. You have a 
fake rare game at that point that anyone well, will be able to buy on eBay for the rest of time. So what I guess Ninja 5.0 is supposed to be a good game. So if you quote unquote just want to play it as if you couldn't download There's a so copy many of ways. Ninja 5.0. Uh, it's, I, I don't get what it is. They're like, why don't you do this one? Because then I would buy it. And you're like, but what would you buy it for? Like, is it status? Like, what is the purchase? Like, what is the imperative? Like, if the Castlevania collection, I jumped on immediately. I own all those physical games, but this is like a special package that that Konami did. And I was like, pumped for. I'm like, oh, cool. A Konami collection, you're going to put it on. I will buy that. Awesome. But like, Shadow of the Ninja, what? Who? One, who is asking for this? Why? And also, why? There's no. There's no game like Battle Princess Madeline. I don't like that it went to limited run, but that's a game that like, oh cool, like that's that's a game I would like to play. Sure, so I'll I'll buy it there. Costume Quest Two, that was a digital game that came out f- physically through them. I was really excited to buy that. You know, I love my Costume Quest games, the Halloween stuff. I was there day one, ready to give them my money. I didn't buy the special editions because those are gross. But uh, yeah, like what. What is this thing? I don't get it. I don't get what it does for the people. I tell me what it does for you. I'm missing something. There's some bit of information I don't have, and Tyler doesn't have it either. So I I do buy junk that they put onto like Amazon, but it's because it's like twenty thirty dollars shipped for like these stupid multi carts of like Jalico games or whatever they they've done. Oh yeah, those like those. But were the problem neat. is when it's like eighty to a hundred dollars, then it's just like I would rather buy well, that, a real video game. Yeah, that's the other problem. Like. The minute you like start reaching that price point, it's like, well, could I? Should I just be buying something that actually improves my collection versus this that does like nothing? But people find that those things are collectible. Like they put the cards in with with the packs, and you know they yeah. have numbers and stuff. People are into it. There's this whole segment of collectors that I don't understand that just kind of love this part. Like I, that the Jack and Daxter, the ones that look like a book. I think those are worth like hundreds of dollars now. Oh, yeah. And those came and out like a year that, ago. Yeah, like, you know what I resent about the Star Wars games? Is I like the big packaging. Like, I think it looks cool. It's too big. I wouldn't buy it for myself, but I think it looks cool. I think the Jack and Dexter books look awesome, but I wouldn't like... I do. I, I don't want to put those in my collection. Also, it's like, you can get those games, so why would I be buying those? Um, I don't get it. Also, I think that the those are the ps4 re-releases and they're like shoddy up of the ps2 version so they're not even the good version of the game like it would actually be cooler if they pressed a playstation 2 format disc and put it into that and made it like a playstation 2 limited edition i think yeah i yeah i i don't like that trend um also johnny the star wars boxes aren't cool because i bought the star wars boxes because i thought they were cool and then over time like over this year i realized like oh this isn't going to be some special Star Wars set. Limited Run Games is just trying to oh, standardize yeah, just... their limited edition packaging so they can be really lazy about it. Like multiple oh. Star Wars games have the same exact outer box that just has like the Star Wars New Hope logo on it. And it's just like, oh, this one's the Game Boy version. You have to know. <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, that's sad. Um, I mean, it's sad, but not unexpected, right? Yeah. Um, whatever. What, what can you do? Okay, but, guys. So even beyond that, Johnny, I just want to point out oh. like uh there's a Jay and Silent Bob NES game that came out. That was in 2020, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. tomorrow on Pawn Stars, they're going to announce a Pawn Stars NES game, which is where I got my Chun Li autograph. I, they sent me a copy of that. Um, how did, like how did you I get on the special list? I'm an influencer. But what? 
How did you get on the special list? Did you review Jay and Silent Bob? Is that why? Uh, I reviewed Jay and Silent Bob because I, I reviewed uh, his earlier games, Eskimo Bob and uh, Alfonso's Arctic Adventure. And he was just like, oh, I'll send you a review copy of this, I think. And then the Pawn Stars one, I reviewed uh, Kevin Hanley's previous games. And he had my address and he just gave it to the Pawn Stars guys and they sent me a copy of their new game. Like that, I'm not even asking for stuff now and I'm getting in the mail, Johnny. I have made reached, it in life. I've reached my homebrew final form. Influencer. I get the games before the Kickstarter's even announced now. Whew. Damn. Man, when am I going to get that level? I'm never going to be on that level. <laughs> I don't do enough on social, I guess. Damn. Do I haven't posted on social media in a month? <laughs> I know. I mean, like, you know, no one cares about Instagram. Uh, not at not at the level we're at anyway. So I mean, not like YouTube know. and stuff. That's a lot of effort, though. So anyway, I think we're going to see more dumb tower. stuff. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if like a major artist puts out like an NES album or something like that. I don't know. Okay, um, let me ask you about this, because this is something interesting. Uh, are we going to see another handheld system? Ever? Like, that is just specifically handheld. Uh, yeah. The Playdate, right? The Playdate's coming out. Woo! What is that? It's uh, a new handheld that you have to crank. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's got a crank. Oh, that thing. No, but I mean, like, like, like from one of the big companies, like... Is Nintendo gonna release another one? DS, 3DS is dead. Um, Switch Pro. Do we switch? I mean, but that's not really a handheld, right? That's. Or are we well, gonna see I, like a dedicated like, and even the the Switch Lite isn't like I don't count that as a dedicated handheld. Like, are we gonna see this division anymore, or do you think there's gonna be a consolidation now of that? Like, is PlayStation ever gonna go for a new PSP or something in that line? Like, are we gonna see any more of that? This is just uh, more future predicting. Yeah, I don't think you're going to yes see no. not this generation. You're not going to see anything come up against the Switch. I think that I think I think it's so solidly cornering the market. I I I can't imagine, and I could be wrong, but I can't imagine anyone investing the kind of money that you would need to spin up a handheld to go against the Switch. Like, there's I just I don't see it. Especially when no one has ever ever succeeded against Nintendo and like Sony, the Vita went up against the 3DS, which was probably like maybe Nintendo's weakest handheld ever. Is that I don't know sales numbers of modern stuff, but uh, that would have been the time to try to compete with Nintendo in the handheld market, and they couldn't even do it then, so they're not going to do it against the Switch. Maybe whenever we come into a new console that succeeds the Switch and. Nintendo has to figure out what they're doing with handhelds versus consoles. Maybe that'll be a time. I just think people maybe don't want to play like PlayStation and Xbox games handheld. Like what we've got phones. If we want to dick around mobile, yeah. we don't need a mobile PlayStation. Yeah. I, I think a lot of that will wind up being phone, but I also, I think if we ever see another one, I think it'll follow the switch model. Like it'll just be a way to take your console with you on the go. Not, you know, not just be dedicated. I think it's shown to be lucrative. Maybe. I think if Sony or Microsoft, like, copied the Switch model, I think it wouldn't have any of the magic and people would be like, oh, they're just trying to copy Switch. But, I don't know. Maybe people would be into it. Like, Alien yeah, Alienware I, has a Switch, I think. Like, they made a, a PC in the form factor of a Switch and it's like, okay, why? <laughs> I mean, I, I, would, I would check that out. But I would probably only get 12 hours into it, so probably not a good buy for me 12 battery charges probably 
Johnny, are you hearing that thunder? Yeah, the thunder has been crazy. The rain, like, and I, the wind blew part of my roof off. Uh, I mean, there's still some, there's still shingles there tonight. Uh, And like a roofer is coming tomorrow, so I'm a little worried about the rain right now. Like, what is it doing to my house? Is it getting through? Is that layer of shingles that's still up there enough? I guess I'll know after the podcast. Jeez. So it happens. Uh, Sometimes we get some strong winds. You know, the ones we had like four days ago, which were stronger than all the other winds that we had, but they didn't turn the power off for Stefan, those winds. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I know wind is your favorite subject right now. Uh, but hey, they they didn't turn it off, so you made it. Okay, Um, let's see. How many more boutique companies do you think we're going to see? Any more new ones this year? Mm, no, I think I think the current companies have such have saturated the market to the point where rather than rather than spinning up an imprint people you know studios are already so exposed to the options out there that i think they're just going to um to that like like i i i'm not working in console right now but the last time that i was like i was seeing contracts come through where um developers had like limited run physical imprints like already written into their contract like in it for like green lighting a game like that they that that limited run was just going to be part of their uh dev cycle so or publishing cycle so um yeah i just i don't i don't see i don't know why like if there is an another imprint i i don't know why it would succeed in the face of all of the pre-existing imprints out there. Okay. Uh, Tower, do you agree? I kind of can't believe there's enough demand for as many limited print run companies exist now as like, how, how are there already this many? So I, I don't under, there's no room for more. I don't think also, I think it's pretty weird that limited run game is kind of like the biggest company of them. So they have the biggest print runs, so in their own business model, like by printing more stuff, they are kind of contrary to their own message because like probably a super rare game or whatever these other companies are called have lower print runs. I don't know. This whole market is really crazy a print to really demand company. It's more print to demand for this time window than are they, you know, I, that is a form of limiting. Name another one. Whatever. I am 8-bit. Well, I am 8-bit. Stefan, is oh, there a special oh, thing on. that happened? I was going to get there. Okay. I was I was gonna get there, guys. Predictions: Are we gonna see more exclusives through IM Eight Bit? <laughs> and and side note: Will IM Eight Bit sell out of their Mega Man game? Stefan, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't yet. Actually, that's not true. Uh, they we we looked today because last year uh, on this episode we did a yearly check in on uh, the Mega Man releases from INA bit and whether or not they had sold through yet. The NES copy of Mega Man 2, guys, has finally sold out. You can no but longer... how did it, it do is it? Now, it is now super rare. You can no longer get it. But do you know why it sold out? Uh, because they sold all their unsold stock to Best Buy, probably? Yes, that's correct. And it Let- is sold out at Best Buy. What? I did, I did double check. But yeah, I don't that know was, if that's because that Best that I- Buy just... That that could be because Best Buy liquidated it, or because it actually sold out. I don't. know. Yeah, 
that was something that I complained about uh, some months ago when they did that for their Lion King release because it was super shady because on the IM 8-bit site, uh, it said that they were sold out. And then if you went over to Best Buy, they had plenty of copies. So it was pretty yeah. clear pretty clear what happened there which is weird uh, because best buy had their own copies of like a special packaging for lion king and aladdin yeah um and then so anyway uh but the uh, Mega Man x is still available on imapic.com so go over there you never know when they'll sell out of their 8500 copies or whatever it was do you think we're gonna get more now though do you think like do you think we've finally done it? Like, have they failed enough there that, you know, I mean, they, they were fine with Earthworm Jim. They they got out of that one really quick because they limited their their stuff. And I think there was another title they limited as well. But do you think they're going to have more games or do you think they're done? Um, I think they will have more games because I think they are now partnering with... Oh, God, I actually don't know if that's public knowledge or not or if that's something that i heard okay, internally so, so, don't so, say anything. So, yeah, so don't say anything but um so yes i do um, okay and I, and I don't mean like ps4 games because i know they get like ps4 and switch exclusive but i mean specifically in the style of like here's a super nintendo or nintendo or genesis game like you think uh, yeah i think probably not i think they're, they're they, they i think definitely we'll see more boutique games but likely for uh more uh modern releases i don't think we'll see another cartridge unless they are literally served it on a platter like if someone if an ip holder comes to them and and is interested maybe but i don't think that we will see any more cartridge releases uh from from them that is my hypothesis all right fair enough Okay, Tyler. Yeah, we're absolutely going to see more dumb garbage from I'm 8-Bit. They sold out of 4,500 of their Aladdin Genesis repro for $100. But they didn't. They did. What are you talking about? They, they sold it all to Best Buy. But didn't Best Buy sell out of them? Uh, did they? Or they sold, uh, they clearance them out. I don't know. I think we'll probably see them at lower numbered print runs because they, what was the Earthworm Gym was like 2,000. So I think they'll be yeah, they'll be willing to put that junk out if they can make money on it. That was, however, I mean that that was also leveraging a very successful Indiegogo campaign for the book. So I don't know how much that influenced that or not. We'll see. It's the Legacy Cartridge Collection. They gave it a name this year, so so they have to continue. The, li- it. the Lion King Legacy Cartridge Collection is up for pre-order on Best Buy. I don't know what that means. What the hell? What is this market? And why is Best Buy saving this market in multiple ways? It's so weird. I do. Can I, I actually? Pre-order? I do not know. Yeah. No. You can buy the Legacy Cartridge Collection of Aladdin. Pre-order yours now. Just a hundred dollars, guys. Who at Best um, Buy is it, buying that? I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what actually... I'm not going to actually buy this, but I have this thing, this Lion King game, in my cart for checkout. Best Buy is willing to charge me $99.99 right now. Uh, they, it says pre-order and says a release date for this item has not been announced, but we'll email you when it's ready for shipping or pickup. So yeah, I that's don't... the same for Aladdin. I don't know what that actually means. <laughs> So they have Battletoads because no they had that Battletoads was the other game I think Johnny was thinking of. They made 2,000 of them and it says oh, yeah, sold yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like they like maybe you can get 2,000 people to pay $100 for a fake copy of Battletoads rather than a real copy. 
uh, it's licensed. Yeah. I'm not hating it as a repro. I do like that it's licensed, but uh, man, that is essentially what a copy of Battletoads costs. What, you, what is everyone doing? <laughs> and it, com- it comes with nothing special. It comes with like a manual and a fake registration card. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> went into why these are like It should bad. absolutely come with a button that says, ask me about Battletoads, then I would have bought it. That, that, was, that would be an easy win. Then you can't expect them to, to do things like that. Um, okay. I think that was all the questions I had. If we thought we were going to see any more trends like that, I mean, there, there's a bunch of stuff that we could try and predict. But I'm just hoping all of our listeners and everybody made it through this year fine, 2020. I, I hope, like you guys, kept your jobs. I hope everyone's okay. I hope you didn't have to leverage your collection for money, uh, or if you did, that you got that you got paid out because collectibles went crazy. So I'm just wishing the best for everyone as we. As we move into 2021, and I mean, I hope it's got to be a better year for everybody. So, don't what? Why would you say that, Donnie? <laughs> what? Why you would I knock say on some wood? I I said I hope. I didn't say it will be. I, there oh, was okay. no definitive statements. Got it. All I right. said I'm hoping. Like, right. I am always hoping for the best, but like, I thought you said it's got to be a better year, and I was like, why would you say that? <laughs> I mean, I said that like ironically. It's got to be better, right? But also. I I don't believe that that is necessarily true at all. You know, I know this year has been full of, it's been a lot of anxiety for everybody. And I mean, not just COVID, not just the election. It's just a whole lot of uncertainty. And like you had these big key events, you know, driving that and people having wedges driven between them, between their, their family and their friends and like all this picking of sides about shit. It doesn't really matter to them on a daily basis, um, especially when it comes to politics. Uh, you know, I hope everyone. I hope we can get back past that into a to a better place as we move to twenty one or twenty twenty one. I hope enough people get the vaccine or the virus goes away. However, you, however you best hope it happens. I just hope it goes away. Magic, ignoring it, whatever solution there is. I'm just hoping that there is one. So, um, yeah, hoping for a better. 2021 for all of us as a, as a global entity. I know some people had really great years, so I hope we don't look uh, back on that and laugh at how wrong we were about wishing people a good year. I mean, you know, we've got a trend of getting wrong, so (laughs) hopefully, uh, hopefully not, but that's what I'm hoping for in 2021 for all of our listeners. Guys, is there anything that you're going to do differently as you move into 2021 as far as collecting goes, though? Uh, I am going to... I think this was Tyler's answer for last year. Uh, I did buy a non-zero amount of sealed games uh, this year. I, I do not see that continuing into 2021. Uh, that uh, was some, like, FOMO head sh- that I got from Tyler. <laughs> what did and, I do? Uh, 100%. Your FOMO infected me, uh, and so uh, so yeah, I bought I bought some sealed stuff, um, and then kind of came to my senses again. Not discounting sealed collectors, just that I am really not one of them, and so I don't know where my head was. I don't know what happened. Tyler got under my skin. You make I it sound like games. I'm a sealed collector in chief here. <laughs> I mean. Compared to me, you are. Compared uh, to anyone on this podcast, I am. But I'm I'm a sealed collector <laughs> of garbage. I buy the twenty five dollar games, and then when people start paying four hundred for them, I'm like, what What is wrong with everybody? 
So, uh, yeah, I do not see that trend continuing into 21. Um, I already haven't bought a sealed game in a number of months, and I just don't see that continuing at all. I bought a Ring Fit Adventures sealed recently. But I opened it. Keep it sealed? No, (laughs) just to play it. Because it was only eighty dollars. Because it came back down, Stefan. Screw you and your two hundred fifty dollar Ring Fit Adventure. Okay, but it took forever. I it thought it was literally going to be time. in the twenty dollar clearance bin by the time I bought it, and I was like, "Oh my god, MSRP, yes." Yeah, it took a long time for that to come down for them to make more, essentially. Yeah. Um. But uh. But you know, so it's going back to our conversation about you know cost value. Like, if you did buy that. $250 copy, how many months could you have been using it that would have benefited your health? You know, would that have sussed out to uh, being worth it as far as uh, as far as how much uh, you paid for it versus how much benefit you got out of it? Maybe, maybe not. How I much would it affect my mental health every time I looked at it and I was like, oh, I paid $250 for that. Like, that's what would hurt me more than the benefit <laughs> I would have gained by using it. Because I have other means of exercise, but I'd always have to look at that and be like, oh, I paid $250 for that. <laughs> okay um what about what about uh you tower you have a different answer at all what's the question is what i did this year that i will not do next year yeah like do you have anything that like are you going to do anything differently this year than you than you did last year like um you know last year you said you were going to buy some more nest box games uh maybe some ps1 uh pc and atari which you did pretty much uh, maybe less PS1 than you probably intended after that crazy <laughs> spike. But, uh, like, is there, like, moving forward, are you doing anything different now going into 2021? Like, are your collecting habits going to change at all? I, I'm probably not buying, I'm not working on any sets. So this year I finished up Genesis and Super Nintendo, and I've kind of dabbled with, like, different subsets. And the more I look at them, the more I'm just like, I really don't want to get locked into this mental state where I get 80% of the way into finishing a set and then I feel like I have to finish it. Like one of the things I wanted to do, I wanted to get every variant of Ninja Gaiden on NES. There's like a dozen different, uh, just like minor code variants uh, of the box. And like I start looking at it, I'm like, oh my god, Ninja Gaiden is like a hundred dollar game now, and like the nice ones on eBay, people have like bins for two and three hundred dollars. Like, so collecting twelve copies of that is is super dumb, even as a subset. So, uh, I think I'm probably going to continue buying like one off cool stuff and see how that goes. Probably a lot of PC stuff, probably a lot of Japanese stuff, but uh, I don't know. I was totally wrong about what I was going to do last. I wasn't totally wrong, but. No, you did most of what you yeah. said you were going to do. Like last year, I thought I was going to basically start working on the PS1 set because PS1 is cheap and it's still from the era of games that I'm interested in. But if PS1 prices are still like kind of double, it's like, eh, I'm only interested in this because I can get like a ton of games from a kind of interesting historical period for $4 each. If I can't do that, then forget PS1. Yeah, probably forget PS1. Yep. Stefan, like you're still gonna stay on the art train though, right? You're like you're not you're not moving into games. You're not suddenly like you've you've talked about maybe dabbling in loose Game Boy. You're not suddenly moving back to that. No, no, I you know it's one of the, I I have decided that my what I'm doing requires all of my focus, and it would just like if I put in you know x amount of dollars into something else, and then I missed an opportunity because of that for something that I really care about, you know, and passionate about, that would bother me a lot. 
Um, so yeah, I'm not, that's not a thing. Um, as far as it, Tyler touched upon it a little bit as to, far as like how I did against my, uh, my goals from last year, I talked mostly about growing the art collection and then, you know, um, showing it and that that was if you guys remember from last year that was i was really on the cusp of like i was supposed to be at e3 i was supposed to be at pax i was supposed to be at all these different big shows exhibiting the nintendo power art collection um and that didn't happen but conversely like i don't know had i been so engaged doing all that stuff i may not have been able to grow the collection uh to the point that i have now again like you know back when i was talking about showing it all over the country i only had you know a few dozen pieces and now with over you know i'm about 350 now and uh and so it's going to be a much more compelling experience when i do finally get out there so i'm still feeling pretty good about about my goals and how i how i came in uh, against them no i I think you're way ahead of where you thought you were going to be and i i think you I think you won pretty much. Um, for me, I'm <laughs> my answer last year of what I was doing was I was buying. I was going to complete PS One, did it. Um, I was going to buy some GBA games I thought were cool and some PS Two games I thought were cool. I did those things, and then I said I was going to slow down a little bit. I don't know if I slowed down as much as I thought I would. Uh, probably not. I definitely slowed recently. I just really got back into buying any games uh, over the last couple of months. I've been looking at other stuff. Uh, nostalgia is important to me. Things that make me happy when I spend my money, I want to, you know, that's kind of where I got lost on video games a little bit is like when I bought something and I looked at it, like, did it make me feel something like, oh man, yeah, that was the thing. And I think that's how we all got into it, right? Like you buy that copy of Final Fantasy or Castlevania, you're like, yes, I loved this game as a kid and here it is. And I still feel good when I find those, but, you know, when I talk about buying, like, $45 GBA games that end, like, when their name ends with a Z, you know, those aren't good purchases, right? So, (laughs) um, it's like, cool, great, great, great. Um, It's like, I did it. I guess I kind of made a, a value buy that might help me make a set if I ever decide to do that, which is interesting sometimes like when i really get hooked into set collecting but that i don't think that's in my path for this year because set collecting is just financially not very viable also spaces like I, i'm I, i'm so out of space it's ridiculous. oh my god I, I didn't even remember that but yeah i am like 100 percent out of space which is another great reason to move into like single games that are cooler yeah um like yeah, yeah right now i'm i would much rather buy one game a month that was like 200 dollars than like 10 20 games or something or 10 dollars games you know that's that's kind of where i'm trying to be um i may revisit some of the nest collection and try and improve some of my boxes just on the games i care about uh, if i don't care then i'm, I'm not going to do it but uh, i also bought like i bought a bunch of star wars stuff this year so um you know i i'm a bona fide star wars nerd have been for a long time i, I try not to overindulge in it i know get a little bit in, too into that in harry potter sometimes i try to tone that talk down but I've been buying the one six scale figures and I, I enjoy those. I think those are cool. So I'll yeah, I, uh, plus my wife likes them. 
talk, talking to space. Um, I, I, that's one thing that I do think is going to change for me in 2021. I think you will see a drastic shift in my physical game room, whether or not that looks like me actually selling off a bunch of games, or if that's just like reallocating them to like, you know, a storage situation. I haven't really decided that yet, but like, in in the space is such a premium at this point and i am so i have diverged so far away from set collecting and collecting games in general um uh, the 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 how the game room game, is presented how the game room is presented is going to change drastically yeah, it's it's like a relic of your previous collector self it no longer represents who you are now now so. again, but but because of that, because it's so integral to sort of the telling the story of the journey, um, I don't know that I have the heart to part with a lot of that on a permanent basis. Yeah. Um. But uh. But the what I am displaying outwardly versus what is going into cold storage may change uh, drastically in twenty twenty one for me. Well, I hope you expand into some other magazine art. Um. I I hope you. I hope one day you get to the point where you're like, well, I should be looking into some of the EGM art and some of their other stuff. So then you can leverage the collection so you can put like boxed product next to like, like have it just be a library display. Like here's what a set of this system looked like. And here's some of the interesting art that came from the magazines that were around it. Like, I hope you can start to integrate uh, your wonderful collection into, into the museum and, and into the shows rather than, you know, have it just be this like, um, you know, vestigial piece of you that you used to do. Sure. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, as far as me getting into other magazine publications, again, because of the effort and focus that it requires, I hope that I hope that someone like I want there to be a me of EGM or a me of like whatever, but I, it just, it can't be, it can't be actually me. I can't well, be doing that work. See, you've, you've said that. And I, I want to know, like you've said that before, but like, do you honestly think that's still true as like the thing about what you're collecting is it's finite, you know, I mean, games are finite in a much different way than art is finite. Yeah. And you already that. have so much of it and how how will you procure or get more and like is that financially viable like how how do you not look to to new avenues at least to like at least to entice people like into trades yeah, and things I mean, like that one of one of the issues there i mean certainly if i approach an artist for instance and they have some like nintendo power stuff and then have other stuff too the likelihood of me picking it up as you say for like trade bait that kind of thing is pretty likely but um it's uh the, the the you know you mentioned that it's finite and that you know at some point i will uh i'll have you know maybe acquired everything there is to acquire for uh, for a specific publication the problem with that is that i would never know it i would never know when i had reached that point uh because i have no way of knowing what's been thrown away or what's been you know there's so Ah. many things that could happen but then but then also i have no way of knowing what nintendo is holding the first party so um so i'm always going to be looking for things uh for nintendo power because i have no way of knowing when i'm finished sure but i'm talking more in the regards of like okay it's been two years and you've acquired no new art it's never come up people aren't parting with it you're you're in a deadlock or you're only getting you know, you, it's like, 
you know, gets to the point where you're fighting only the other top end guys who are trying to to get this market where maybe you get one piece. Like at what point does the value proposition change? And like, I mean, this is content you're presenting and you're expanding. Like at what point are you forced to, to grow outside of that? Do you think that's a thing that could happen? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic question that Johnny, I just don't think I have the answer to right now. That's fine. I, you know, I was just curious because I'm thinking about no, it for right sure. Now, like, year. and I think I think there's going to be a point in which I have to start asking that question. I don't think it's now. And um, and now, I, tell I me now. I don't, I don't have a good answer. Answer me, damn it. No, I'm just kidding. So right, there's no teeth behind that. All right, um, Tyler, got any any other like epiphanies on on your collecting strategies going forward? Nothing else. Epiphanies on my collecting strategy, Johnny. Like, uh, is there anything you're going to do differently? Like, are you like have you have you considered anything else? Like, uh, are you just done? Are you at a stopgap? Are you like any? Are you? I'm giving you a chance to expand now that we've talked a little <laughs> bit since you answered. Do you want to expand on your original answer? I'm I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, which is uh, cool stuff. Independently deciding what I think are the most historically interesting games, regardless of what I see constantly posted on Instagram. And going for those, and also for the games I see uh, posted on Instagram constantly by people hyping them, uh, I'm going to try to determine how they are wrong about what they're hyping and getting the correct thing, um, <laughs> just because that gives me a lot of feel-goods. So I think we're all in the not going to complete a set this year. Will this be the first year you don't complete a set? I mean, no, I've been collecting video games since 2005, and I don't have... 15 sets that were each completed in a single year so no okay uh i on the other hand that is not the case for me i've been collecting much a for a much shorter time than either of you and now that i'm thinking about it this may actually be the first year in which i've not completed a set well, I completed a set in 2020, but I don't know if I will in 2021. Uh, there's not a lot left for me to complete um, of stuff that I'm interested in. Uh, anyways, Game Boy Color. Have... Mm. <sighs> well, you're going to complete the Wii is... set. What are you talking about? Like 100%. Uh, that's true. Uh, maybe. Like I could have completed it this year. There's, there's not very many games. There's like, a, I say not many, but just like 100 more games to buy. A year is but a very long world, time, and it will eventually burn a fire in your ass, and you'll be like, let me just finish that up. I'm not doing anything else right now. But you've also not cared about that Wii set. Like, how many years have you been that Oh, no, I, I bought, like, I, I put a, I put probably $500 into the Wii set this year. Really? Yeah. Just, like, you quietly. And I to- just, like, a couple of, like, oh, uh, these games, because they, like, the stupid expensive games um, came down in value a little bit. Uh, a little bit, a lot. Like they like games that were rare and hard to find were finally like fifty percent of where they were when they hit like their peak. They were like, oh, instead of being one hundred and fifty dollars, it's like seventy dollars. All right, I'll grab this now. I'll grab this one and I'll grab that one. You know, just like some stuff to fill out sets uh, to fill out the set. So I, I have a list, and what I did this year, um, I went through all the Xbox games. I told you about the better boxes I bought for all that. Got them. I have pictures of them. I'm updating my my list more accurately now, so I know exactly what I need versus what I don't have. And you know, I'm like, if I see an opportunity, if someone has like 30 of these games and wants to sell them to me, I will buy them. Or if someone is like parting out their Wii set, I will just give them my list and be like, what, what do you want for this? And I'll just finish it up. Um, I, I would like it finished. I would like the Wii set to be done. Uh, and I, I'm closer now. I'm a lot closer. 
like did monetarily. I, did I do GameCube this year? Was that this year? Last year. Last year. Not this year. Thank God it wasn't this year. Think <laughs> about it. Yeah. Uh, that the Monkey Ball double pack prices have been coming down. Stefan, better get one. The hottest game that people will think is collectible forever. The slipcover um, for Super Monkey Ball double pack player's choice. Hey, the do only you one. remember? Do you remember when did that happen before coronavirus? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean they were pretty expensive because I remember the when you talked me out of that one. That was long before that was, uh, coronavirus, and that was still reasonably expensive. It was like two thousand dollars, and I told you, please do not spend two thousand dollars on that. Yeah, and, then and it, even though that may have been a fine monetary value at the time, you got to be happy you didn't spend that two thousand dollars on that, especially given your answer of having the money and liquidity to to put into sure, art. Sure, sure, no, fair. So I helped you. In the end, I was right. I did help you. That's what I'm gonna get. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, GameCube was October of last year, when nothing right. else exciting happened in my life. No, nothing at all. Nothing. Nothing terribly sad and awkward that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> um, all right, I, I'm not actually joking. It was like, man, rough. Um, but you're happyish now. So I am that, very happy. Thank you. So, um, anyways, guys, do we have any more to say about 2020? This is like our, like, there's some format to this, but this is just our 20, 20 year in review and talking about where we're going in 2021. Any, anything you want to add? Anything you want to see? Are you any hard goals? More? What's any that? hard goals for any hard goals for 2021 that you want to call out and then be wrong about at the end of next year? um me personally or just we because we did that we had yeah. we did set out our 2021 goal or our 2020 goals yeah i'm year. i'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna go with tyler i'm gonna finish the Wii this year and i'm okay if i'm wrong <laughs> fair enough i would like to actually at least at least so i do have a a a, a, dig, a virtual show i'm part of um i'm gonna do something for uh uplink uh this next year which i think is in february um but as far as physical shows i would love to provided we have them i would at least get like to have at least one exhibition under my belt i would like to actually get framed art up on the walls of a convention center and show them to people that is that is my my hard my hard goal for 2021 is to actually exhibit the nintendo power collection somewhere yeah my huh. goal like I, I always say have a concrete goal. I have kind of this save searched list of like curated games that I am looking for because they are hard to find. Um, but I don't have like a, it's not like a set or anything like that. So I guess I just have like my want list and it's concrete. I'm not just buying what I think is shiny, but I don't have like a big sexy goal, like completing a set. Yeah. I I'm going to complete the weed just cause I, I, I want to keep the streak alive of completing a set like, and I didn't do that every year I've collected, but like the last couple of years I have get like one more year of, I did a set. Um, uh, you know, also what? I'm, I'm going to get that Metroid hang tab this year. I can feel it. This year's the year. Oh, see, I just, I just got one of those. Did I mention that I in the show? I'm sure I did. Go get it, Johnny. Come on. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Um, I'm sure you're going to get a nice one because the difference between like a pretty okay one and a nice one is totally reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never getting that game. It's so sad. 
someone someone needs my Mega Man Five uh, for the Game Boy, and they're going to give me cash, and I'm going to take part of that cash, and I'm going to buy a a hang tab Metroid. Do it. That's what I'm going to do. Do it. Get a get a sealed Famicom Disk System one. They're they're like a hundred bucks. All right. You know the Famicom Disk System one does have excellent art. It does. Stefan should it own does. the original art for that. And actually, you know what, Stefan, I've got a tip for you, because uh, we uh, I didn't bring it up before, but you're saying things like, I don't know what art Nintendo has in their archive, like first party stuff. You should mm-hmm. just contact Shigeru Miyamoto and plant the seed so when Nintendo dies, they know to contact you to offload their art. <laughs> when Nintendo dies? <laughs> Mister, when Mr. Nintendo passes away? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I'm sorry, you, you joke. it's, it's you, Tendo. It's Nin is his first name. Okay. Mm. Yeah, you joke, um, but I am trying to figure out. Wh- I'm 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 almost a hundred percent positive Nintendo actually has an archivist, like an actual archivist on staff, sure uh, and neat. and now identifying that person and then actually making contact is my next big. Uh, challenge I'm sure there. the Nintendo archivist is definitely like, yes, I want to sell things to the public. No, not. But that's not. Oh, that's just not to learn point. what they it have. Would be, it would be just to identify what they have. Sure. Because at the end of the day, this isn't the important part. Isn't that I own it? It's that it's safe. And so, if at least if um, at least if I can identify what they have, that crosses things off the list. So I don't have to stay up at night wondering uh, whether or not X piece is still around. Um, and you know, if uh, arguably there are are fewer hands safer than if it is actually still with Nintendo. So, um, I would love to just have, you know, coffee with their archivist and, um, and talk about what they actually have. I don't know if that will ever happen, but I'd like that. Oh, are you assuming this is an English speaking person, like a Nintendo of America archivist? Yes. Oh, okay. For a Nintendo of America publication. Yes, I am assuming that. Oh, you're talking about for Nintendo power. I thought you were talking about like Nintendo, the company in Japan. Why would I, why would I be talking about anything else other than Nintendo like, Power? Super Mario Brothers three original level. Oh no, I, I know art. they all have. I know they have that. Shit. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, okay. All right, that makes more sense. Although I do have a, I do have a translator on retainer. That is a true story. Oh my goodness. I wonder why. Wonder why. Hmm. Wonder why. Johnny, I have a crazy goal for you. Um, okay. Maybe if I get DS. really bored and don't know what I'm doing in life, full set of Famicom disc system. Oh my god, that would be excellent. I would uh, love to see that. There's only there's 212 games. The thing is, I don't know anything about like I'm not deep on Famicom disc system. I'm very much like <laughs> these are the important Nintendo games. So I don't know like if there's like a five thousand dollar game that I've never heard of and don't care about, like I probably just won't complete that. But there's only 200 games, so. Maybe. You should look into that because shipping from Japan isn't even that bad. It's not. I've been buying oh, stuff yeah, from see, Japan. The other only. thing I want to, I still want to complete the European extras for Super Nintendo. I just like got off that train because uh, shipping uh, became such a nightmare for a while. And now everything's back to normal. Uh, getting better. Not, not back to normal, um, but better. All right. Do we have anything else we want to say as we, as we move into 2021? Let's move into 2021. Everyone wants to get this year behind us, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, I think they do, but I uh, like. Hopefully, it's better, right? Like, it's got to be better. Got it, right? Right. Let's everyone. Let's guys? let's move it on in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2021 I mean, starts now. Yeah, pretty much. By the time you hear this, it will probably be 2021. So, 
Anyways, uh, that's it. Oh, uh, any uh, other interesting things that are going to happen in 2021? Maybe a Patreon. Maybe there is already Patreon information in front of you, where we will be talking about all the Patreon things you can get by supporting this show, uh, if you want to do that uh, monetarily, which is not going to be a crazy amount of stuff, and we're not asking for crazy donations. But uh, people have asked, and I'm going to probably throw one out there, and you guys can, if if you like, you can you can support that. So that's that. Look for and, more information on that coming soon. And new branding. Woo, yeah. New Woo. logo. New logos yeah. and stuff. We're going to have some of that stuff. All right, guys, do we even want to talk about what we bought or anything? Do you guys want? I think we kind of I canvassed do. that in conversation. Yeah. Okay. Tyler, I do. Because want... <laughs> I okay. went crazy, Johnny. Um, you did. I, I, so I've been buying nothing, and then for some reason, the past two weeks were just nuts for me. You're like, I, f- Christmas, I just want to spend money on myself. Yeah, okay, absolutely. go ahead. Tell me what you did. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's go through my eBay purchases. It's so funny. There's like a month gap, and then everything. First thing on the list, something I've been looking for all year, Ocarina of Time, uh, the pre-order baggie that came from, I believe, EB Games. So it's a golden Zelda bag, and in it, it's got temporary tattoos, a poster, and like some promo materials for the um, Prima strategy guide. So I got that, which I've been looking for, for like, I I don't know what I would have paid for it. What is that worth? I'm going to say $150, $200 for that, just because it's a Zelda thing. Uh, Not the most common thing in the world, but they are out there. It came with a complete in box collector's edition Zelda missing the cartridge. Collector's edition Zelda, it's like conservatively like 200 220 now uh so to complete that would cost me another 60 bucks so like that box and manual and inserts is worth like 150 dollars, and i got the entire lot for 150 dollars. my goal is to sell the zelda box to offset <laughs> some of the cost <laughs> of the bag so Stephen, i basically got the pre-order me. bag for free I'm sorry. Did Tyler say he was going to sell something? Yeah, d- laugh with me. Laugh with me. What? Well, n- well, I thought this was going to go for like three hundred plus dollars. Um, so I was planning on selling that. Now I'm probably just going to throw it on the shelf because I paid what I wanted to pay for. Yeah, that. there it is. Um, there very, uh, very happy about that. Mm-hmm. I got uh, the rarer variant of Microsoft Adventure. Adventure by Microsoft. The uh, the first commercial PC game, uh, probably one of the top ten things I bought this year. Very excited about that. I got a complete in box Coleco tabletop Donkey Kong, which is just another save search I had, and one came up and it was pretty nice and it was the right price. It's like all right, I won an auction for Morrowind Collector's Edition on PC. It went for a lot less than the previous one on eBay went for, so I got it for a price I'm happy with. I got a Ninja Gaiden 2 complete in box because I wanted the little uh, address insert that came with it. Uh, if you don't know, Tecmo games have a registration card where you fill out your name and address. And some of them came with a sticker that has the exact same information. So it's just a sticker for your name, address, and zip code. And I guess you were supposed to put it on top of the registration card, even though you could have just writ- wrote directly on the registration card. Don't understand that insert. Kind of hard to find. I got a not for resale Super Mario 64. I got the GameCube Animal Crossing Japanese e-reader bundle. So it comes with an e-reader. It comes with Animal Crossing for GameCube and a bunch of cards and stuff. 
that thing is like 50 to 100 dollars excellent deal that thing is super cool i learned about a tech mobile variant thank you snk2d forever he's like you know there's a left football and a right football and they've got different rosters and i'm like i don't know that i've got left football <laughs> so i had to go get the right football tech mobile okay, left variant. as you look at it or left on the actual if you were the box i i honestly don't even know there's three variant there's three major variants that i saw uh, two of them have the football on the left. One of them has the football on the right. I just made sure to get the one I didn't have. Okay. Uh, check your Tecmo Bowl variants, guys. Tecmo Bowl is going to the moon. You know, once we start talking about left and right things, uh, everything is going to be $150,000. Yeah. Uh, Tecmo oh, Bowl man, is a very rare game, football? remember. Sweet. I love left football. Right football I don't like garbage. I don't, I don't like anything that I just heard. Uh, you don't like any of that stuff? I'm so sorry. None no of that. No. You like the baggy. You got the baggy. Oh, wait. Okay, wait, Stefan. I skipped the, the first thing in my list of things that uh, we haven't talked about. I got Final Fantasy X. It's the Square Enix Black Label variant. All right. That that I like. That I'm a little <laughs> jealous of. Okay. All right. All right, right. Black right. Label I'm variant? Com- I'm coming back around. Eight ninety. Uh, I paid for that. Um, $8.90? Yes. Wow. Because uh, that's another one that was just like... No one really cares about it. It's just like a save search. You have to set up forever to find one. But it only took a few months to find that. That wasn't that bad. Anyway, How long will it take you to find another one for me? Uh, I deleted the save search already. So you son of a good bitch. luck. God, best feelings. We we covered that in an episode. Best feeling is yeah. deleting a save search, man. Just I'm like feels so good. Not trying I'm to the hoard the super rare stuff. I just want to get one and get out and stop it ruining my morning every morning when I look at it and it's not there. But uh, yeah, that was like hundreds of dollars worth of video game stuff compared to the nothing I've been buying for the weeks before that. Then. Yeah, that is true. You you went crazy. Man. I did. I don't know what happened. I don't know what came over me, Johnny. I don't know. You got you got the fever. I'm not even you like FOMO panicking. Like no one's going to the price on Animal Crossing for the GameCube, the limited edition set in Japan, that is not going anywhere. So I don't know what I'm buying. Buying good stuff, oh. just just need stuff. I like stuff, well, Johnny. I have it. a whole podcast about how I buy stuff. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I I bought, you know, as you mentioned, I bought that DS stuff. I bought a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, I bought that Wings Club Saving Alfie. Uh, yeah. Or Alfia. Tell uh, people about that. That is a game you guys all need to know about. Okay, so this is uh, based off of a cartoon. There's a DS and a 3DS version. The 3DS version is kind of expensive too, but the expensive version is the DS one. I guess it's rare. DS rare games are so garbagey and bad. It it is so upsetting. But this game is like, um, you know, it's like normally like 150 bucks. It was like one point like $300. I got it for like I said, like $59 or something. I think it was $64 out the door, like after tax and shipping and everything. And Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was a game for a while. I thought did not exist, uh, in, in, uh, the U S I thought it was pal only. And then a bunch just showed up. So then I, I finally got one of those and I guess that one started to go for big money too. But again, it was a game I paid under, under $60 for. And, uh, that's what I bought, which is like a lot more, than the nothing I was buying before. I bought some Star Wars figures, so if you guys are excited about that, woo, you're not. So Baby Yoda. Oh my god. I, I bought I bought two uh Star Wars related side figures recently. 
Oh, you did. Oh, you bought some. That's right. Well, they're hot toys. Well, that's a hot toys figure just sold through Sideshow. But yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But I also got the um. I don't know. I don't know who the actual manufacturer it is. But the the Baby Yoda that they also just recently. Oh, the life did. size one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the life yeah. size one. That's uh the one that's out right now is Sideshow. Yeah. So yeah, I got very those, cute. Those two things. Are Star Wars you fans? Felt- do they say Baby Yoda still? Um, I mean. Grogu, I guess, is fine if you, if you want to get into it, but I like Baby Yoda is just a cuter name. It's yeah, it's it easier to say, easier to remember, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, plus, if they're mad about it, that's on them for not giving him a name until season two. Like, come on, and then having oh. it be a bad name. <laughs> is it a bad? <laughs> I mean, kind of a bad is, name. was there ever going to be a good name? It, it sounds like a bigger creature's name than him, which, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like, a cute name, and I want it to be a cute no, name. But Yoda's not yeah. a cute name. It had to be like very consonant-heavy, like Yoda, I think, for it to make sense. Yeah. yeah. Who knows how the translation of that works? And I say that um, in general. I know there's a few of you out there who probably actually know. Don't at me. I don't care. As much as I love Star Wars, I, I don't. I don't not, actually. Don't care. have the spoons to back this up. So please don't at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I say that, but I'm so like, if I ever went on a like if we ever did a deep dive on how much dumb shit i know about star wars it would be embarrassing i think it is probably like I, I think i've said this before there's like maybe one of four topics i'm equipped to talk about uh at an expert level and star wars is one of them <laughs> johnny got mad at me when i started buying star wars stuff because he he uh, was threatened by <laughs> by yeah, my presence well, you in his start hobby. Talk about like all this stuff. I'm like, hey man, I'm the Star Wars nerd here. Stay in your lane. Back okay? it up, guy. <laughs> this is my turf, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm not over there talking about Doctor Who and Star Trek. All right. Now that doesn't matter if I like either of those things. I leave them to you. That's Stop cool. trying to be on Facebook and be that guy. <laughs> Back the f- off, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I'm gonna come at you with it. I'm like, you want to know about George C. Both? All right. You want to talk about Heir to the Empire? I was reading that as an actual kid. I waited for the last That's right. That's what out. it was. I bought yeah. I bought a I bought some books and Johnny got mad at me. Oh yes. I didn't yes. I did not get mad. I didn't get mad. I, I sent a joking comment. It's funny. But uh yeah, you did buy a handful of books that I definitely I don't own them anymore because I gave them to a cousin, but um yeah, I I definitely owned all those I, and have a few of them still, uh, like the Christmas gifts and stuff from when I was a teenager, when the books actually came out. Like The Courtship of Princess Leia is a book I read as a teenager in high school uh, when it came out. Um, the Truce of Bakura is another one. Uh, so yeah, yeah like, Truce of Bakura was like the, the next one after um, – the heir to the empire stuff. I had like yeah. that and dark empire. Yeah. It's like 1992 or something. Yeah. Like truce of Bakura. Like, what is this? I don't even remember what it's about. The truce of Bakura. <laughs> Whatever. It's been a lot. <laughs> it's been since, uh, what I say? Like 92 or three since, uh, yeah. I read that book. There's a reason I didn't revisit it. Yep. Now, if you want to talk, you know, heir to the empire, that book I thought was great. And then I tried to reread it and it, wasn't hitting me the same way. Like, just wasn't as good, though I love Thrawn. So, I, I don't know. Maybe I was grumpy when I tried to reread it. Jedi Academy trilogy is the only trilogy that I've read more than once. Kevin J. Anderson? Love it. 
You, Get, Sun Crusher, Kip Duron. Oh, oh Kip Duron, man. <laughs> I want I of all the characters that I want to be brought in from like the you know because Filoni we all know is it's bringing in some. Shit. So uh, of they're all the characters bringing, that currently in the EU that are not Kip. in canon they're that I desperately would love to see brought into something, it's Kip Duron. I love Kip yeah, Duron so much. They're never bringing him in. The fact that I could say his name and like the author of those books is a little bit upsetting. Um, without having like gone through this before. All right. That's it. I th- I think for the show. Yeah. Oh my God. So we're we're talking yeah. about recording. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry. shut up. <laughs> you just said a bunch of shit that we didn't care about. And we didn't say anything. <laughs> Excuse me. Dick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. That should have been CQ after dark material. Look forward to that in, in <laughs> Patreon episodes. Um, okay, guys, uh, where can we find you? Stefan? Uh, I am on Twitter and YouTube as Art of Nintendo Power or at Art of NP. Um, I've been really, really putting my best foot forward on the YouTube stuff, like buying $140 fake jackets so that I could show them to you. Um, so I would love and it. Shaving if you would your go face and support finally. Me there. What's that? I said, and shaving your face finally and looking like a That's professional. Right. That's right. And I built a set in my garage, like literally. I've done things for this I know, channel. You did all that stuff, and then you came out sloppy. I'm so mad about it. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I've been really putting a lot of effort into that. I post at least, uh, I've said at least bi-weekly, but honestly, I've been posting weekly recently. Um, but uh, yeah, so please support me there. You can still find me on Instagram as Archon1981. I don't think I'm giving that up, but at the same time, I am not posting there nearly as much because I'm kind of reserving that for my personal feed versus like things that are really geared towards the art collection. So yeah, uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter and YouTube, Art of Nintendo Power. Please, please, please come follow, come hang out. Power. I'm Default Gen, Default G-E-N, and you can find me all the places. Yep, and I'm Johnny underscore Ayuchi. Uh, that's I-U-C-C-I, if you don't know at this point. You can find me on Instagram uh, occasionally. It's kind of been slow there. Uh, I've been lurking in the background of uh, a couple websites. You've probably heard of them. I'm not going to mention them. They're not paying me. So until they do. Video game sage, everybody. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, video game sage. Um, Also, I just want to mention, for people who leave comments on uh, SoundCloud, forgive me. I I forget to check that. Specifically you, Braveheart. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, I just never think to look at the comments there. I don't think you're on Instagram yet, but I'll try to be better. Because you say some funny things. He, He backed me up on hating milk, and I love that about him. So thank you. Um, all right. I love seeing the Braveheart comments. It makes me feel like a celebrity mm-hmm. who listens to the show. Yeah, it, it does. Who definitely knows Braveheart. more about NES than us, and we're like talking about yeah, NES. Absolutely. <laughs> we're like, you know who's like we know ta- what we're talking about. Like, you know who should really be talking to you though? Like, talk about having imposter syndrome and you're like and Braveheart walks in, you're like, never mind, I don't know anything. <laughs> well listen to this guy. Um yeah, Braveheart's great. Uh so I mean I, I it's not like I've hung out with the guy or anything, just uh through forum posts and transactions and or forum transactions and things like that. Uh, you know, smart guy knows a lot about games. I forgot to bring up another celebrity, Johnny. Uh, one of my better buys of the year was a uh, first print left bros, meaning first print to the date code. Make sure you find that nine one two Oh eight. I believe it is uh, from Don't tell them the date code. Do your own research. Let's be like everyone on Facebook. Do your own research. <laughs> Uh, so I, I I could be wrong. I think there's only three, and I think the earliest one is nine one two. 
91208. I bought that from uh, Ecstasy of Order on eBay, who is Robin Mahara, another celebrity who listens to Collector's I was, Quest. You I should was about to buy bring him up his too. documentary, Ecstasy of Order, or rent it for three bucks. We, uh, we going to have that guy on? I feel like, I almost feel like, like, that's jumping the shark. That like I, I feel like we've gone too far to actually have him on the show. Now that I, I I don't think that that's true. I don't think that that works like that. <laughs> I don't think it, it's not point, like flush point, with no plush. Return. And we did flush with plush. I'm totally I'm totally messing with him. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, because the last thing I thought because because he had said something on Facebook and and. Uh, and Tyler says, yeah, you should come on the show and talk about it. And he said, easier said than done. <laughs> Is that what he said? He did. That's hilarious. Uh, we're hurting his feelings now, Johnny. We're hurting well, his feelings. Well, I mean, no. You know who hurt his feelings was Tyler in the last episode. Jerk. Yeah, Tyler. I think it was Johnny for laughing at such an obviously yeah. sarcastic joke, but he laughed at it genuinely. Oh, is that what I did? <laughs> yeah. King of sarcasm over here. Uh, Mr. Monotone, Tyler, that should be your nickname on Instagram. Mr. Monotone? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Your vocal variations are slight. It's like translating alien speak. Anyways, I I kid. I'm just, I'm, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Johnny, why are you so mean? All right. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs)